Operation Red Pill. You know us, just two guys going beyond conspiracy theories, getting right to the heart of the conspiracy itself. I'm Jason Spears with my co-host, Christopher Dean. Knock, knock. Join us as we go behind enemy lines to reveal the truth about another aspect of this occult matrix as we discuss in this week's Intel Briefing. Halloween 2.0, you are still the treat. Is Halloween an innocent day to meet your neighbors and eat candy, or have we been spellbound into participating in occult rituals? We're going to talk about this and much more coming up right here on Operation Red Pill Boo Holiday. Gentlemen, ghouls, and whatnot, no matter what mask you got on, we want you to know you are welcome here. Everybody from across the podverse, welcome back to another episode of Operation Red Pill, where we try to take you beyond conspiracy theories and get you right up into the heart of the conspiracy itself. Now, you probably saw the title. You said to yourself, wait a minute, this looks a little familiar. Haven't we been here before? Okay, I hear you slow your horses. Yes, we have. But as the earth went around its ecliptic, its path around the sun and has wound back in a similar but not identical place. So we have found ourselves culturally having to deal with a similar issue this holiday of Halloween. But we've decided to do it in a slightly different way. Now, Christopher Dean already did the research. He dusted off the books. He got the cobwebs out the corner. And we decided that we had to approach this again, but he didn't have to do as much work as before. And that's good. The man works hard, needs a little bit of a break. We gave him a bite-sized Snickers to help him out for his troubles. What we are going to do, though, is we are going to unpack this Halloween business. We want to talk about how has paganism and witchcraft increased in the modern world. And we want to get into what are the Wiccan holidays? Some of you know about them, some of you don't. Do they influence our yearly observances? And are the historic practices of Samhain as innocent as some people might suggest they are? But before we get into all of that, I need you guys, don't channel, don't evoke, don't draw in, just put your hands together to welcome my co-host, Mr. Christopher Dean. How's it going, bro? Man, you get all the love around here, all the love. They don't, they don't do. put their hands together for me. It's great. I, I don't I'm know what it is. I'm eating it up over here. <laughs> you know, it feels kind of personal to me. I, I don't know how to take it. It would seem personal to you, wouldn't it? <laughs> it would, because it is. All that aside, man, how you been today? Good, good. It's been a good day. A good day. All right. How's the week been? Not bad. Not bad. The The leaves are starting to change. The weather's getting colder. And this, this time of the year is special for me because I started riding my motorcycle around this time of the year. Like, I think the first time You mean time like I, when you first got your license? No, when I first started riding a motorcycle. Like, I, I think it was, I don't know. I remember having a big hoodie on and the first time I ever had a street bike and put it on the pavement, it started mm-hmm. snowing a little bit. So, Ooh. yeah. <laughs> that didn't bother you at all, did it? 
No, it didn't. It didn't. It was great. It was my first bike. So when the weather starts to change, I kind of go back to that um, that newness, that excitement a little bit, and that chill on the motorcycle is is all a good experience for me. As you go back and have a little bit of nostalgia, does it? Yeah, it does. It does. That's cool. You know, you just sent a shiver up my spine, though, with that <laughs> four-letter cuss word that you just rattled off real quick. I know. You know I we know. don't talk about that pre-December. <laughs> I'm not even going to mention the word that you said, but you know what it was. I know what it was. My mistake. My yeah, mistake. Yeah, yeah we, we don't talk about that. So I promise you, if I see them starting to fall outside, you're the one I'm coming after. <laughs> I didn't ask him and to come down. I'm not going to be on two wheels. <laughs> yeah, but you, you mentioned it. It's almost like Candyman. You can't say it. Then it will come. <laughs> That's how this works. Sounds like occult practices, Jason. <laughs> and this is the time of year, Christopher. Fair enough. Matter Fair of enough. fact, dude, since you wanted to talk occult practices, and it does tie into today's topic, let's go ahead and talk Halloween 2.0, you are still the tree. Okay, bro, we're sitting here in the studio, late October, kicked back, feet up, we got the warm apple cider, and we're reminiscing, because about 12 months ago, we released what was, to date, one of our most popular titles, I think it was episode 30, Halloween, Don't Be Tricked, You Were Always a Treat, a very clever title, (laughs) and this episode, (laughs) it did incredible. Incredibly well. Mm-hmm. We got a lot of feedback on that. You remember that? I did. Yeah, yeah. The people were grabbing it. They were telling us they were sharing it. Uh, you know, one of our, our patrons who um, joined us every month on on the Zoom call, Jess. She said that was actually the first episode that she listened to of ours. Right, right. And she was talking about how she was sharing it with everybody. Uh, I think that was the first episode my dad ever listened to uh, okay. of our show nice you know it it got a lot of traction man and it was really cool but we find ourselves back at the same time of year it's a year that i i both love and hate all right like you i enjoy the weather i get enamored with the trees i love the change i love the color palette difference i'm out of summer i'm not gonna be hot burning up you know it gets cool i love all of that but This is also a time of year where our culture is geared up to celebrate all things death related. Right. right? Mm -hmm. And of course, we need to, as the Bible tells us, we got to be prepared to respond. So in that vein, we determined that it'd be a good idea to re-release our old episode with an updated, modified intro so that we could cover a few things we didn't get a chance to cover last year. And then once we do that, we'll go ahead and pick things up from last year's episode. Having said that, this year I've seen several posts on social media about how it's ridiculous to think that Christians can't celebrate Halloween. One of our patrons, um, man, I think it was, I think it was Victoria who sent this in, sent us a clip of of something on uh, Instagram. 
And it was a guy going through just trying to completely dismiss the seriousness of Halloween. Mm-hmm. I remember that. Right. And, and trying to use scripture and everything else. And I found myself a bit irritated with it. Not with the fact that she sent it, but just you, you get a little irritated with here we go. We got to fight and contend with this. Right. And so I went back and just each point I started, what would my response be? What would I say? And I was like, no, there actually are things to counteract this. It's annoying, but mm-hmm. there are. You know, and and it really raised this question because, you know, first thing when when that thing hits me, the first thing is, oh, man, what if we were wrong? Right. I do the same thing. I do the same thing. Do you? Uh Uh-huh. Because I don't think people listening to us would believe it. Like these guys really think, what if we're wrong? I'm like, "Mm mm-hmm. Yeah, anytime there's a bit of information that contradicts something we said, I'm like, oh, did I do enough research? Did I really know enough about this? Yes. I'm sitting there on pins and needles and I really felt like the Holy Spirit was like, just listen to what he says and tell me, is there a response? And I was like, oh, oh, that doesn't make sense. Oh, yeah. Okay. That's that. I might be able to understand what you're saying. No, that points an oversimplification. That one's a a misconstruing of scripture. The contextual value is all wrong. I'm just, you know, I'm starting to take it apart and I'm feeling good about it. I'm like, "Hey, Hey, hey, okay. All right. We're safe until the next video. And then I'm going to fret all over again. <laughs> I get it. I get it. But it it raises this question, man. You know, how should a thinking believer, not some legalistic religious nut, but a serious follower of Christ, one who takes their commitment and their and the cultural and spiritual war that we are that we are involved in to heart. You know, how should that person view Halloween? Because some people claim the Halloween is just an innocent day to meet and hang out with your neighbors, eat a little candy, have a little grub, have some fun, right? Mm-hmm. Dress up and whatever you want. Hey, this isn't a big deal. We're just having a good time. We ain't worshiping no devils. We ain't got no broomsticks. We ain't sacrificing nobody. Get off our tail. While there are other people that claim, look, this is a day that can leave you spellbound and lead you into secretly or unknowingly participating in occult rituals. So something that's very dangerous that you should stay away from. You know, what do you think about that? How would you respond? Well, first, first I'd have to come at it with, with a little bit of understanding because I used to be that person. You know, I didn't think it was okay. a big deal. So I, Me and you I, I, gotten along. It, it's always been a big deal for you? <laughs> no, but you would have started out, it's not a big deal. I would have freaked out like you might have more information. I didn't do enough research. <laughs> okay, okay. And, and, and then I would be upset when I start hearing the, the rationale. I'm like, nah, we can tear this apart. He had me on pins and needles. That wasn't fair. <laughs> That's funny. But no, I mean, it's, it, it's, it's so accepted. It's easy to get swept into thinking or buying into the benign, benign nature of it. Um, but the reality of it is that this is the most blatant pagan holiday that we celebrate in America. You know, the Bible tells us to abstain from even the appearance of evil and evil is the, the, the theme of this holy day. So it doesn't, it doesn't make much sense even on the surface to try to form a defense for it. You know what I mean? Good night, everybody. We, we had a full episode for you. Christopher has solved the Halloween problem in short order. He will be working on the cure for cancer and the next political candidate. We've, we've got a few things on his plate. As you can see, he's on a roll. I try. I try. Dude, but, I mean, that, that sums it up, doesn't it? Uh, yeah, you would think. You would think. 
Because like yeah, here, you would here, and if you look at it another way, if if I were to go to an orgy, right? I'm sorry, what? <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Christopher is not back. <laughs> he, he will not be working on cancer or anything else. He will be going to church. Uh, he, he will be dealing with whatever repressed sexual aggression <laughs> issues that he has. And you all can pray for him because apparently this is the only, only metaphor he can come up with. No, I, I, some, no hypothetically, it's like I went to a mass. Well, I just I, I like to use a metaphor that's extreme because it's easier to see, you know, getting dope in the scope <laughs> or citing an idea. Clearly going to an orgy is not a good thing. So that so that's why I picked that one. Okay, I'm glad we put the disclaimer there. Right. So if I were to go to... Because we've been accused of, of believing some some rather crazy things. We have. So. We have. <laughs> I don't want this hitting, you know, the internet talking about, you won't believe what them guys at ORP really believe. Now I know what the O stands for. Right. We're going to work on the R and the P. <laughs> don't, don't practice Halloween. Go to an orgy. <laughs> right. No, no. As a metaphor, if I were to go, go to an orgy or even just a place where an orgy was being practiced, right? It would be difficult for me to explain to my wife or anyone else for that matter, that I wasn't there for sex. You know, even if I didn't go yeah. dressed at, well, not dressed as, in this case, undressed, right? If, if I was wearing my clothes, <laughs> unlike everyone else, merely right. my proximity and location incriminates me. So yeah. how is Halloween any different? It isn't. I think it's just that we have been put under a spell and or conditioned at a young age with lots of sugar to think that this is an innocent practice. Man, that is, that is solid. Thanks. I Thanks. probably shouldn't say that after you go into an orgy. <laughs> that, that, that You're was welcome. A very <laughs> persuasive point that you made. Thank you. Thank you. It also had me thinking though, uh, Mike Winger from Bible thinker, uh, page on YouTube. He has a pretty interesting commentary about Galatians five nineteen. You, you know the okay. scripture. Uh, what is it? The the acts of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity, uh, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies. Hey, there it is. And the like. Uh-huh. <laughs> I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. So there's a there's a whole discussion about this, you know, about being saved and still practicing or falling into some of these things. And without getting into a once saved, always saved conversation, Mike takes a different approach with it. So with the salvation issue off the table, he says that the issue that you run into is that if you're doing these things, then there's no behavioral difference between you and someone who isn't saved. So from the outside, nobody would be able to tell the difference between a Christian or a, a, a follower of Jesus Christ and a pagan. And this is right. one of the issues that we come into in practicing a holy day like Halloween. You know, unlike some of the other holy days, Halloween is overtly pagan and paganism isn't just something from a bygone era. It's very real and in practice today. You know, we, we have to realize that and take it into consideration. But worse than that, it's not just in practice, it's increasing in popularity. All right, explain. So I, I pulled up some statistics. So in 2014 alone, Ouija board sales went up 300%. What? 300% in 2014. You know what's wild, dude? I, I've seen Ouija boards in more places 
than what I expected to see them. Okay. Like Dave Navarro, I think, has a guitar that literally the body of it is a Ouija board. That's crazy. Right? I saw somebody else they had on their floor, like the carpet was a Ouija board. Wow. Like some people treat this stuff so innocently. Right. Right. And they, I don't know if they understand the mechanics of the spiritual world, the legalities. When you enter into or invite demonic presence into your life, there's a legal contract of exchange that happens. They get a right of access point. Mm-hmm. You don't just get to close that when you put the lid on the box or roll the carpet up or put the guitar down. Right, right. It still exists as a contractual link between you and 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 the spiritual world. Mm-hmm. For sure. That's scary. And this is up 300%? 300%. So when I saw the statistic, it immediately had me think of people that are like, well, I can watch Harry Potter, and that doesn't mean I'm going to immediately go out and buy a wand and try to cast spells. No, but a whole bunch of people went out and bought Ouija boards. You know, mm. the, the increased saturation of witchcraft and occultism in the media tends to at least correlate with the rise of these things in real life. So we, we can't say that, that we're not influenced or, you know, none of this is benign as they try to package it. Right, right. So I have some interesting statistics about pagans. So this says, while less than half of UK population identified as Christians in the 2022 census, 74,000 people declared they were pagan, which is an increase of 17,000 people since 2011. And that that might well be a significant underreporting. When the preeminent scholar of British paganism, Professor Ronald Hutton, investigated in the 1990s, he came up with 110,000 people, much higher than the contemporary census total. Most of the pagans with whom I've kept in touch with, this is what um, Professor Hutton said, most of the pagans with whom I have kept in touch with do not enter themselves into the census. Mm. Pagan groups report a similar story. Uh, The writer of this article said, when I joined 29 years ago, there were about 240 people doing the Druid course. There are upwards of 30,000 now worldwide, and the course is in Dutch, Italian, and German. Heathenry, based upon Northern European traditions of polytheistic and spirit worship and ancestor veneration, is also seeing massive growth. According to Jack Hudson from the Inclusive Heathen Community, When we started in 2013, there were eight of us, now about 4,000. People have interacted with us over the past 10 years. Meanwhile, in a 2014 survey by the Pew Research Center estimated that about 0.3% of people in the U.S. identified as pagan or Wiccan, which translates to about 1 million people. The number is expected to triple by 2050. Now, that's a wild statistic. And it's situated squarely upon the person self-identifying. I think a more telling statistic would be how much of the United States, since we're just talking about us, how many of our, our population, our citizenry participates in pagan rivalry and lives a pagan lifestyle, whether or not they choose to identify as a pagan. Uh, right. I definitely think it's a lot higher. But just these statistics alone show us that the idea of Wicca, the idea of paganism is not dwindling or or diminished. It's growing at exponential rates. 
And that that's alarming. But, but it's harmless, right? <laughs> it's just another expression. I don't know. If 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 it didn't have some impact on people's lives, I don't think it would generate the um the growth that it's seeing. I agree. And I think this was probably the most irritating response in that video that was that was designed to say that you know there is no problem with Halloween whatsoever. Mm-hmm. The claim was if Halloween is a a holiday based on witchcraft, you have the Holy Spirit. None of that stuff can touch you. It's right. no big deal. Who cares? Yeah. And I was like, you have to be kidding me. Right. <laughs> so no Christian, no person who who confesses allegiance to Jesus Christ is affected by evil. Right. That doesn't make any sense. And if that was well, the case. How do we handle Paul? <laughs> right. Why he would got we, beheaded. How do we handle the martyrs? What do we, the people from Nero? Right. Why would God warn us that we're in a battle and give us armor if we mm. have this Holy Spirit yes. force field around us? It makes no right. sense. None at all. Right. I'm like, this is, this is wild. Like, I, I wanted to throw something at the guy, but I wasn't sure if he had Holy Spirit. So I wasn't sure if he'd be protected. <laughs> you know, I don't want to be accused of costing him. So I, I refrain. Oh, that would be funny. Just hit him upside the head with a coffee cup. I thought you had the Holy Spirit, bro. But no, I pull a Rafiki. It doesn't matter. It's, it's in, in the past. <laughs> yes. I hate if you get that. Holy Spirit now, it'll protect you in the future. Oh my gosh, dude. So uh. irritated. I hate that and, Disney and, just creeps in in so point. many different places. Yeah, right, right, right. It's our, it's our, it's our enemy, but it's also our friend. That is a bad message. That is a bad message. I think no, right? it's not our friend, but it shows the level of influence that these exactly. movies have, and even formulating yeah. new ideas for sure. Yep, yep. You're right. <laughs> I think though, man, that. Um, witchcraft it's a serious issue paganism as a whole is universal you know it's it's around the globe right and wiccan you know the the wiccan uh religion is one of the fastest growing in the united states which means there is a huge thirst yeah it really is it is a super fast growing religion there are people that are eager to connect with the spiritual world in illicit ways yeah um Vanessa Hutchins and Emma Watson. No, no. Yes. Not Vanessa. Yes, she is She is steeped, steeped. Vanessa? In, yeah, yeah. You know, I feel bad that I'm, I'm not fully on, on board with I know how Jesus would say this, but I would be like, you know, Emma Watson, we, we might be okay losing one to the cause. Not Vanessa. Wow, that's messed up. I know, that's, <laughs> that's bad, right? Heart left. Mm-hmm. I'm coming back right. <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. <gasps> I didn't know, dude, that, yeah. that Vanessa Hudson or or Emma Watson, for that matter, were both steeped in this. Right. You mentioned or you uh, told me you were doing some research on Hocus Pocus and there was a Hocus mm-hmm. Pocus like um, reunion uh, or. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Vanessa Hutchins was the. She was one of the uh, hosts, I think. Right. And then Emma Watson, it was either before or after that, she made a post on social media and said that she wouldn't be where she was today if it wasn't for her coven. 
What? Yes. So the little girl in Harry Potter, because this isn't influential at all and nobody's going to go out and practice witchcraft, now attributes her success to her witch coven that she's a part of. And of course, Vanessa Hutchins had to get on and she said, yes, coven. It would like hearts and whatever other emojis that came along with it. No. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm going through all the symptoms of grief. <laughs> I don't even know why, but I feel myself quickly going through the whole continuum. That's I'm in denial right now. <laughs> Later in the episode, I'll be angry. Oh, geez. Uh, I found some statistics, not super recent ones, but it says, according to courts, from 1990 to 2008, Trinity College in Connecticut ran three large detailed religion surveys, and they have shown that Wicca grew tremendously over this period. From an estimated 8,000 Wiccans in 1990, they found that there were 340,000 practitioners in 2008. Oh, wow. Yeah. Although Trinity College hasn't run a survey since 2008, the Pew Research Center picked up the baton in 2014, and it found 1.5 million people identify as Wicca or Pagan, which suggests continued robust growth for the communities. See, that's what I was saying. Mm -hmm. This is wild stuff, man. This is this stuff is spreading like wildfire. It's crazy. And Twitter revealed in 2018 that... Uh, there may now be more Americans who identify as practicing witches than there are members of mainline Presbyterianism. Okay, that, that's wild. Yeah. It's crazy. Like I said in another episode, the ground that the occult, that the ground that the occult gets comes from the ground the church gives up. Right. It's, it's sad. And beyond those things, I was looking at, you know, astrology, psychics, and ghosts. So according to Gallup polls taken in Britain, Canada and the U.S. between 1975 and 1996, around 25% of adults polled answered yes to the question such as, do you believe in horoscopes? In 2012, the general uh, social survey found that 34% of Americans surveyed considered astrology to be very or at least sort of scientific. What? Mm-hmm. Okay. That's problematic on like two different levels. <laughs> I mean, for mainstream science, that's short of problems. 34% of people, we're, we're approaching at least a third. We're past a third. We're approaching a half. Right. Right. You got to do better marketing. Secondly, if astrology becomes synonymous with scientific, we're going to have some major problems. For sure. For sure we are. And Oh, that's why. And all of the, every single one of these metrics that I looked up, there is an increase. There is an increase. And this, this should be alarming. And part, yeah. I think part of it is um, that Halloween works as a mass marketing scheme. Right? It's fun. Oh, okay, what do you mean? Well, because you get to dress up and you get to participate. You know, it's like um, like a mattress. You know, you can sleep on this for 30 days, and if you don't like it, send it back. Bro, I don't know what you ate before this episode, but I'm getting more and more concerned with your choices <laughs> of metaphors. We, we had orgies earlier. You, you went to mattresses for no reason. <laughs> like, I just want to make sure you're not trying to signal me for something because my answer was no. No, 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 no. 
That was just the first thing that I thought of, of like a use it and send it back guarantee thing. It's even, it's even bad. But that don't don't use the mattress and send it back. That's that's just not good retail. <laughs> it's, it's not, especially for what you had earlier in mind. Right, I know. Anyway, but yeah. <laughs> so I think Halloween works like this. Whether or not okay. we're aware, you get to participate. You know, you get to you know dress up. You get to be around this. You you are in the themed environment. All of these rituals are steeped in it. The spiritual ties to it are all there. But there's never, I don't want to say never, there's rarely negative consequences for that day or that season, right? Like the warranty is specifically designed to wear out or to expire once things start breaking. Mm -hmm. But Halloween functions as this great marketing ploy. Look, you can be a part of it. You can take as much as you want and everything's going to be fine. It's benign. Yeah, and unfortunately, I don't think that the real crimes that are committed directly towards Halloween are often reported. No, I don't think so either. So statistically, they're not even tied to this particular day. Right, right. And so the danger is definitely downplayed. Oh, for sure it is. For sure it is. Yep. And I was trying to get statistics on like specific abductions and satanic ritual abuse and stuff that happens around Halloween. I couldn't get any specifics, but there were- I was going to say, they're really hard to come by. They are, but article after article that I thought was going to say, everything's benign, there's no danger, children don't get abducted, brought up several cases in the past and say, look, even if the danger is minuscule, it, you're not without danger participating in these practices. I was blown away because okay. I thought it was all going to be whitewashed, but several articles- we're like, no, there, there is danger. We don't know how to quantify it at this moment, right. but you need to be aware that there are dangers. I was like, props to you. I'm, I was impressed. Yeah, I would have liked to have seen some of those when I was doing research last year. Right, right. Because everything just came up. Nope, inconclusive. We don't have information. I went to the FBI database. They said they didn't have anything. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. Right, how do you not have data on this? Right. It's crazy. But then psychics... When I think of psychics, I go to Miss um, Cleo. Remember, she got busted as a fake. <laughs> no, no, I didn't hear about yeah, that. Yeah, she got busted. She didn't even have a real Jamaican accent. That was made up. Like she was just a melanin rich really? lady that faked a Jamaican accent and claimed to be a psychic, but she was a fraud. What about all those people that were saying that you know agree with her 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 psychic predictions? Or I don't I don't know. They if, in on? I don't know if they were paid actors. I don't know all the details, but yeah, she got busted for being a fake. That's wild. So as much as society on the surface pokes fun at psychics and seeking psychic help, in 2023, this year, psychic services was a $2.3 billion industry. Yo, that's pretty good. That's not bad. Mm. We might need to think of like an ORP, you know, side hustle so we can start bringing in some serious revenue. Um, no. <laughs> uh, Here, let us see your palms, please. <laughs> oh, no reason. None at all. That'll be $5. You didn't even tell me anything. I know. We just want to look at your palms. You pay us. <laughs> I found 41% uh, uh, of people in 2021 believed in ghosts. Hmm. Comparatively, 40. Hey, do you know if that's up or down? 
Um, I'm not sure. I didn't see any statistics that any of these were going down. Okay. Comparatively, 43% of Americans polled believe that demons exist. Interesting. Right, right. So if there's this many people that think this stuff is real, then how do you fool yourself in, in dressing up like it or participating in practices? The other thing I was thinking was that anytime you dress up like someone, most of the time when you dress up like someone else, unless it's satirical, right? Unless you're making fun of them. It's to honor them, right? I mean, you buy people okay. buy jerseys with athletes' names on it because they like the particular athlete or they like the team. Okay, and I can buy that. It, it's it's crazy to think that 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 is a um, a sign of respect in some sense, right? But how mm-hmm. all of the stuff that surrounds Halloween isn't like that. It's completely different. It's the same practice, but it doesn't mean the same thing. Like it's there's weird mental gymnastics that you have to go through to justify participating in this occultism. Yeah, and it's really frustrating because you you find that there's not intellectual honesty. Right. Right. Which then seems to make me question what is your motivation? You know, if we're going to have this conversation of whether or not this is something we should be doing, what's your motivation to enter into the discussion? Is it to defend? Is it to identify truth? Is it to abstain? Like, where are you at? Mm-hmm. And I think the majority of people I've had the conversation with aren't really sure what their motivation is. That's a problem. Like being on the receiving <laughs> end of their conversation, I get a really clear sense of what their motivation is. Right, right. But they're not. I mean, no, 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 no I'm not defending it. I just don't see what the problem is. Yeah, that's interesting. Hmm. You know what? That reminds me. One of the first things God ever told me when I was when I was turning my life around, I was in a place, I was geographically in a place that I probably should not have been in, right? Okay. So God pulls up a chair, has has a sit down, <laughs> and he goes, uh, what are you doing here? And I was like, uh, I don't know. He didn't even hit on why I shouldn't have been there and how I was stupid and, you know, making the same old mistakes. And he just goes, you know what? That's never an acceptable answer anymore. I was like, what? He's like, you not knowing why you're here. He's like, if you know why you're here, then we can have a discussion about it. But I don't know. He's like, I'm not buying it. He's like, you have to be way more intentional about your life rather than just ending up in places and not knowing how you got there. Uh, I like that. Yeah. And it's interesting that conversations that you've gotten into that people don't even fully understand their own motivations in debating this topic. That's interesting. Right. Huh. I'm going to think about that one for a minute. Super frustrating, man. Yeah, for sure. But since we covered the statistics and we know that witchcraft and paganism is on a rise, I thought it'd be a good idea to cover what the actual holidays of Wicca are, the eight Wiccan Sabbaths. Okay. And, and this, this was pretty interesting to me because I, I didn't understand all of it. Um, there's lesser Sabbaths, which are the, the solar holidays. So the four lesser Sabbaths are quarter holidays, and they're on the two solstices and the two equinoxes. Okay. So their origins are uh, Germanic traditions, and they include Yule, which is the winter solstice, Ostera, which is the spring equinox, Letha, which is the summer solstice, and Maban, or Maban, which is the fall equinox. Now, for those people that are maybe not uh, astrologically inclined, what is a solstice? So a solstice is either the longest day or the longest night of the year. Okay. And then equinox would be equal daylight and nighttime. Right. right. So it's a cycle. Okay. You get the longest day 
And then, what is it? Three months later, approximately three months later, you'll have where the day and night are exactly the same length. Okay. That'd be the equinox. And then after that would be the longest, you know, the opposite of that, the longest night, if I said longest day before. So so that's how it works. Okay. And those are the, those are the lesser Sabbaths. The greater Sabbaths are cross or quarter days. Okay. So the greater Sabbaths <clears throat> fall approximately halfway between the greater ones and have origins in Celtic traditions. And this would be uh, Embolic, Beltane, uh, Lognestad, and Samhain. And I'm sure- no, I'm confused. Okay. Now, the, you said the greater Sabbaths or cross quarters, they fall halfway between the greater Sabbaths? They, no, I'm sorry. They fall halfway between the lesser Sabbaths. Did I say that wrong? Yeah, yeah. Okay, my mistake. Yeah. So the greater ones will fall in between the equinox and the solstices. Okay. So that that's kind of how they, they break them down. And just, I apologize. I have respect for whatever language it is. But if Sam Hain is pronounced Samhain, I am a thousand percent sure that I am mispronouncing every single one of these holidays. Gaelic is a very unique language. <laughs> And uh, I don't know how they get their sounds from the, the spellings. Right. I don't get it either. It's very confusing. But we'll start with um, embolic. So this is a reflection of power on the gods which, um, from which physical and spiritual harvest will come. So that's what they worship and celebrate on embolic. So that's a harvest celebration. Yes, because it, it comes right before the spring. I don't... Well, no, if it's physical and spiritual, I'm, I don't know. I don't, I don't have a lot of detail here. Hmm. Yeah. Maybe it's not harvest since, uh, it's what harvest will come. Okay. That makes so sense. It's one of those things like a, like a fertility. Right. Right. And then we have Ostera, which is the next one, the spring equinox. We would call it Easter. And this is welcoming mm-hmm. of spring and the goddess as maiden which is interesting. And it coincides exactly with how Christians, um, when Christians celebrate Easter. So that's that's a little bit of a problem. Beltane is the next one, a celebration of conjoining of the goddess with the energy of the God in the sacred marriage, which is the basis of all creation. This one was interesting to me because the spelling in this is a little deceptive. It is. It is. Yeah, because the way I found this spelled in a different place was B-A-A-L. Right. And I was like, oh, that's the god Baal. Exactly. Because there was um, there was recently the World Summit had gathered on Beltane at a reconstructed temple of Baal. No. Yes. Yes. And they did it on Beltane. Interesting. Yep. World Summit. Parasite elite class. Now, why would the scientifically established governmental organization <laughs> be meeting on a religious holiday? Uh, it's weird. It's weird. They're supposed to be an a-religious group. It. You know, science only. Right. But, you know, maybe the science told them to do it. <laughs> they was following the science. That's, that's what it was. Oh, I bet. I bet. <laughs> then we have Letha, or the summer solstice. This is the celebration of sacred marriage in which energy of the gods is poured into the service of life. <laughs> weird, but all right. Kind of weird. 
And then the uh, Logsnestad, or however it's pronounced. This is Wicca or neo-pagan observance of the first harvest of the year involving agricultural festivals and prosperity magic. The Christian name is Lamas. Sometimes it is used instead. I also found that it is a funeral feast to honor a warrior, Lof, as a dead warrior of light. I'm like, man, you're all, you're almost spelling out Lucifer and Satan right in there. Right. It, it's crazy. Uh, then uh, Maybon, which is the fall equinox, is an observance of the autumn equinox when the day and night are of equal length, and it's a harvest festival time. Okay. Then we have... The one, the, the point of the episode is Samhain, celebrating of endings and beginnings and of remembering the dead. Revering of elders is also observed. So it's interesting to me in breaking these down that Maybon, the fall equinox, is the Wiccan harvest festival. Okay, why is that interesting? Well, because we try to church up Samhain <laughs> and Halloween and make it okay. a, a harvest festival. But at that point, it's technically out of place. Mm, okay. I see what you mean. Yeah. So I was like, huh, that, that doesn't even line up. That's interesting. I just realized a mistake in this list. Okay. This list follows the order based on Greco-Roman calendar. And it doesn't put it in order based on the Wiccan calendar. So Samhain would be the beginning and end of their year. Okay. I gotcha. So you'll show so it wouldn't the be first. at the end of the list. Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It would be first. Gotcha. That'd be my mistake. Which is no, 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 no. Because I, I think the list that uh, we, we got this from, that's the order they placed it. Okay, I gotcha. So then the the last one is Yule, the winter solstice, a Norse pagan celebration of the winter-born king, symbolizing by the rebirth of the sun, a present day Wicca event and this not to go off on a, a tangent on Christmas but Yule y- Yule tide carols right being sung by the fire mm-hmm. this very terminology for this Wiccan um, religious day is found in a bunch of Christmas music like we even call it a Yule log right right yeah that's not accidental no, they're throwing it in the fire. Right. The the the, tra- the traditional expressions that come with that, they seem to really be way more in line with honoring a sun god. Yep. Yep. That's exactly it. The son of God. Right. Because being the winter solstice is the longest night. So this is the birth of the sun god because the day gets a little bit longer. It grows every day from that point forward. After the winter exactly. solstice. Yep. Exactly. And it was said that just prior to that, he he would have been in the ground. He would have been dead. Like it, it was the death, burial, resurrection cycle. Yes. Yes. This is all wild stuff. And for, for somebody like me, my mind starts tracking along these weird lines, right? Mm-hmm. I, I know it drives some people around me crazy like <laughs> you start connecting weird stuff like what is wrong with you I don't know I need all the help I don't know if I need medical you know clinical medical medicinal I, I don't know <laughs> you know I, I I need all the helps Um, but one of the things that happens for me is I start thinking about things differently 
I want to know, hey, what's up with all of these names? Why do we celebrate what we celebrate? And I go all the way back to, okay, we're looking at calendars. We're looking at times and seasons, right? Mm-hmm. The most basic division for anybody is going to be your weeks, right? You know, your days of the week. Mm-hmm. And it is fascinating to me that even on a days of the week level, paganism is in our face. Mm-hmm. Right when it comes to the names. Yeah. We have Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, back to Sunday, right? Everybody knows the names of the days of the week. Uh, no problem. Right. What's what's not apparent is really why they have the names that they do. Okay. Sunday is the sun's day. Okay. S-U-N. It is a solar significant day. Okay. Following that is Monday, which is the moon's day. Okay. Starting to get a little interesting. Right, right. All right, then we move to Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Tuesday is named after Tweez, which is a one-handed Norse god, equal to Mars. He's equal to Mars? Yeah, which would be the Roman god of war. Right, right. Well, that seems appropriate. First, we'll place significance on the sun, then the moon, and then, of course, chaos. Right. And if we're just dealing with solar entities... Or celestial entities, not solar, but celestial entities. Here you have the sun, the moon, significant celestial uh, objects in the sky. And then, of course, the closest next to us is going to be Mars. Interesting. I think it always brings chaos and war. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, of, of course, we should be praying and honoring that deity. Right. Then after that, you get Wednesday, which is the day of the wind. But in... These are now starting to switch over to Norse names. Okay. And so Wednesday would be uh, Odin's day. Okay. And that would be for Odin. Odin is the chief chief god of the Norse pantheon. Okay. And then following that, you have a day honoring the sun, which would be Thor's day. We would call it Thursday. Interesting. And then, and is, then is, is, after is it, that. Is it Frigga? Yeah, Frigga is Friday. Jeez. Okay. Okay. And then you wrap it up with Saturday, which would be Saturn's day. Saturn is equal to Jupiter, which would be equal to Lucifer. Interesting. So what do you have? Full days of the week. God says that the sun, moon, and stars should not be worshipped, but are there for times and seasons. Instead, they're venerated in the pagan calendar, particularly days of the week. Uh Uh-huh. You got the sun, the moon, and then we got another celestial body with Mars, right? right. And, and the and the nighttime sky is if it looks close enough, it looks like a star. Mm-hmm. Then we go to worshiping the Father, the Son of God, and the Mother God, which is the classic form of paganism. It is the classical structure of paganism. And just if you weren't convinced, the final day of the week, we'll wrap that up with worship to Saturn, otherwise known as Lucifer. That's crazy, bro. Dude, these are days of the week. We're repeating this 52 times a year. Yeah. It's in our face. Man. Oh, Mondays suck. I love Fridays. These are the best. (laughs) Oh, we're going to go to church and worship the Son of God on the Sunday. Yeah. Man. 
and no idea that the story of paganism is being recapitulated in our face week after week after week. That's nuts. If there's that much significance in days of the week, what significance could there be in days that we celebrate? Right. Would absolutely have to be. Yeah, there's there's no two ways about it. Here's the thing, man. Every holy day that a culture keeps is reminiscent of the gods they worship. Makes sense. So when it comes to us, when it comes to the United States, big boys on the block. Sorry, little little boys on the block. No, no disrespect <laughs> to you. But when it comes to us, it makes me wonder, you know, as a nation that that vehemently declared we are not a government in any way, shape or form based on the Christian religion, did that in official document, the Treaty of Tripoli and ratified it by Congress. Congress got on board and said, hey, man, we back that. <laughs> right. Uh huh. And then you got Thomas Jefferson, one of the founding fathers, saying, hey, this country is dedicated to all what gods? Pagan gods. Yep. Okay, when that country, that culture decides to honor certain days, what gods are they honoring behind those days? Not Christian ones. I don't think so. We we fail to account many times for the influence on our culture. I think we look at American culture as though it's uniquely American. Mm-hmm. And the sad, it's it's a it's a very interesting and sometimes beneficial thing, but it's also a sad thing. And in this case, it's sad. We are an admixture of so many different cultures, right? And so in that way, we're kind of unique. But because it's an admixture, we are the byproduct of things that aren't really unique. You know, you understand what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so one of the predominant cultural influences on the United States is actually Europe particularly Britain. Okay. And I, I think this would be a good time, man, for us to pick up on our original courting uh, to, to really begin to unpack how British culture was so impactful on the United States and what that has to do with Halloween. Okay, let's do it. talked on a prior episode about the impact of British culture on the United States, right? Mm-hmm. Well, that, that impact wasn't just limited to geopolitics. It also had significant spiritual impact on us as well. Here's the thing to, to remember. Britain is part of Europe, but it's a set of islands off the mainland. Okay. I didn't know that. Me either. I should have known that because <laughs> I've heard of the British Isles. Right. But it doesn't come up into my mind. Right. I thought it was just the British Isles was a part of Britain and Britain's part of mainland Europe. Right. It's exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> no, it's actually a set of islands. You know, in fact, the British Isles are made up of Ireland, Northern Ireland, Scotland, England, and Wales. Okay. The United Kingdom, which is owned by the British Crown, includes Northern Ireland, Scotland, England, and Wales. Okay. Now, Great Britain is simply the landmass that incorporates Scotland, England, and Wales. I didn't know they were all distinctly different. Bro, 
I ain't know none of this. This is a group of white folks that live out east. That is all I know. That's yeah. funny. And they have a flag with similar colors to ours. And they had this old lady that seemed to never die. Too soon. I guess. <laughs> all right, that's all I know about the Brits. Okay. And apparently they wear red coats and they don't fight wars well. No. Or, or we just fight better. Yeah, there is that. Because we had. We Something had, about taxes too. <laughs> well, I was going to say, because we had Mel Gibson. So we fight <laughs> way better than they do. Right. Okay. Yeah, there's something about tea and taxes and all of that. I, I, I don't quite remember. Uh, but the settling of this area, the mm-hmm. British Isles, actually has a lot to do with Genesis 6 and Joshua. Really? Yeah, it, you wouldn't make the connection uh, in, in, instinctively. But when Joshua went through and started doing the conquest and started conquering nations, right? Mm-hmm. What God used Israel to do was to dispossess the inhabitants of those nations of those geographic land. Okay. And what we have to understand is that that, that land was actually referred to as the land of Canaan. And if you go back in scripture, you realize that Canaan was cursed, but you also realize that out of Canaan came the giants. Right. Nephilim Mm 2.0. Right. And so they are establishing tribes, they're establishing kingdoms, cities, all of that. And they are ruling those lands that Joshua goes through and starts military conquests, booting them out. Right. So they flee. They fight a bit, but they flee more. Okay. And they go different places. So part of the places they fled were to the Isles, the British Isles. They also fled to the Americas. Interesting. Oh, yeah. These boys... They, they, they got up out because they were supposed to kill all of them. Right. They were. And they weren't successful in doing that. Right. Which became an issue. But yeah, they were supposed to kill all the ones that, that they came across. And don't forget, we know if you start killing folk, word travels. Right. Part of that travel (laughs) is let me see. Ooh, they got Goliath. Yo, these Negroes ain't playing. I'm out. I got a rose, son. (laughs) Yeah. They took down G man. G man. G man was huge. And he was uncircumcised, <laughs> according to the record, right? Mm-hmm. So once they they got to the Isles, they established a culture, and that consisted of two two classes. You had the priestly class, which was tied to the gods. It's also where the kings kind of intermingle with, right? Because isn't that where they get their quote, right to rule? Right to rule? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. And then you had the peasants. That that be you and me, in case you weren't concerned. I figured. In case you were confused. Nope, no confusion here. <laughs> not, not at all. I got you. So in the Isles, the priestly class was known as the Druids. Now, these sound like some droopy people in hoods, mm-hmm. right? They don't sound that dangerous. They are extremely dangerous. Okay. Now, Druid in Gaelic means oak or oak knower. And this ties directly back to Mount Hermon in Genesis 6. Really? Because, yeah, it does. Uh, when you had on top of that mountain, there were the oaks of Bashan. Bashan's part of the Mount Hermon mountain range. Okay. And apparently on top of that mountain, that is where the Nephilim were originally created. Interesting. So oak is a revered wood in witchcraft. Okay. It, for its strength, for its longevity, because of its strength. You know, right. It's one of those right. those trees that stick around for a while. So mm-hmm. there's kind of this as this this uh allegorical thing or metaphor of e- eternality. 
No, I, I can relate to that because my dad, <clears throat> the house that he grew up in, and then we, we'd go on visits or whatever there, was made out of oak. Okay. And we got in the attic and he wanted to put in some floor up there so we could, you know, store things up there or whatever. Mm-hmm. And you, as a kid, you hear people talk about hardwood and softwood and, and it doesn't mean anything. Like you, you get hit in the face with any of it and it's going to hurt. I'm sorry. You shouldn't be getting hit in the face. <laughs> That's probably the first thing that's an issue. Maybe, but, but anyway, <laughs> so we get up there and it astounded me that this old Oak, uh, beams that with a drill and screws, we had trouble getting the screws in there. Really? Yeah. The screws would snap off. Shut up. Instead of going into the wood. And I was like, Oh, so Are you serious? Dead serious. I didn't know that. I didn't know oak is that strong. Yeah, so I was like, this is what they mean by oak being a hard wood. That's crazy. Like, I got fed up. Like, cause, as, I mean, we were younger, but mm-hmm. my dad, he couldn't let us help because the wood was too strong that he had to do all of the work. Oak is a hard wood, eh? It is. And from my experience, demonic. I mean, if the... <laughs> if it split, split your screws yeah yeah this has to be infused with a spirit I didn't, I didn't sleep well i couldn't breathe up there right right horrible extra work <laughs> well not only is the oak a revered tree so is the the holly tree okay that i knew yeah and that you know the wood of the holly tree is sacred like the oak tree uh when it comes to to magical rites and for magicians okay in fact it's the the wood from the holly tree that actually makes up the wand that magicians use also supposedly made up the broomstick that that witches would ride okay so when we have a an industry called hollywood it should raise some flags (laughs) for us to go this is this is associated not just with paganism which is some ambiguous term for some people this is this is part of satanism Right. Right. This is part of sorcery. This is part of witchcraft. You follow me? Yeah. I'm tracking. Now, one of of their most ancient astrological observatories and temple complexes that that the, uh, the Druids established was known as Stonehenge. Okay. And they offered sacrifices about eight times per year there. That's a lot. I know. I didn't even know Stonehenge was a was a sacrificial site. No, they still, like, if you look it up now, they're like, well, we don't know who made it and we don't know what they did with it. Yeah. So they know that there was, they were sacrificing humans? Of course they know. Okay. Yeah, they know they were sacrificed there. Who who said anything about sacrificing humans, though? Oh, I'm sorry. I just assumed (laughs) that we're talking about (laughs) witchcraft and druids. You said, let's just make the connection. People's going to die at some point. (laughs) Right, right. But now you're spot on. Another fun fact. They're, the rare blue granite stones in Stonehenge can actually be found only in Scotland, which is over 80 miles away from the, from the site. Wow. Right. So we're, we're, we're it's going to raise this question because we're talking about, you know, stones that weigh between four and 10 tons. How right. they move it? Four to 10 tons. That's that's from 8,000 pounds to 20,000 pounds per stone. So are we thinking... Witchcraft, or are we thinking Nephilim? Are we thinking both? I would say both, but I, I think the more likely one is probably Nephilim. Okay. You know, they, they, would, they would seem to have the physical strength necessary and the precision of thought to arrange these and the, the um, astrological 
specificity that's necessary for it to have the significance that it has. Right. Cause it's not just, I mean, it would be a feat in and of itself to get the stones that big from one place to another. And then to arrange it and arrange it precisely. Right. That's a whole different animal. Absolutely. You know, but you were talking about, about human remains. Mm-hmm. I said, you're right. You know, there have been found almost 4,000 skeletal remains that have been exhumed nearby or at Stonehenge. That's a lot. Right. But it's going to raise the question. Why? Yeah. Well, what, what's going on here? So let's circle back to the Druids. Okay. The Druids established eight Celtic holy days and festivals to honor various gods of paganism. The holy days were based on astronomical observances, four solar and four lunar. Okay. All right. So you've got December 21st, which is Yule. It's the winter solstice. February 1st is Embolg. March 21st is Ostara, the spring equinox. May 1st is Beltane. June 21st is Lifa, the summer solstice. August 1st is Lunasat. September 21st is Mayan, which is the uh, autumn equinox. And then October 31st is Halloween. And this is known as Samhain. Okay. It's considered the most holy day because this marks the end and beginning of their year. Interesting. So let's talk a little bit about, a little bit more about Samhain then. Okay. Now, like I said, it's the most holy time for Druids. It represented their new year. It was between October 29th to November 1st. But it's believed that that time was the time when the veil between the living and the dead would be at its thinnest, allowing transmigration. Okay. Almost like a portal portal could be open. Right, right. And they had a three-day fire festival designed to worship the the Celtic stag god, which is the Lord of the Dead. And if you trace that back, I'm told that that stag god actually is a caricature of Nimrod. Really? That's what I'm told. Huh. Okay, okay. Because Nimrod was apparently depicted as a, a horned god, very similar to the Baphomet. Okay. Now, as we know, Holy Days got a lot of fun activities and events for everybody. <laughs> we don't want anybody to be bored. We've got things for all parties involved. Would you like to hear us about some of the one festivities? Yeah, tell me about them. Awesome. Prior to the start of Samhain, which, by the way, is spelled S-A-M-H-A-I-N. Right. But because this is Gaelic or Icelandic or whatever, it is pronounced totally different than how it's spelled. So it's pronounced Samhain. Right. Don't ask me. I'm just getting <laughs> proficient at Ebonics. I have not moved to Gaelic. Right. So what they would do prior to the start of, of Samhain is they would hollow out large turnips or pumpkins and stuff them full with fat and entrails from other sacrifices. Sounds tasty. No, thanks. Sure, sure smell pretty good, too. <laughs> little drippy. So you got to probably have you brawn, you know, a little paper towel or something. Right. Right. But, but that's what they would do for that. And then on the last night. They would actually prepare huge cauldrons with apple cider-like liquid that they would actually get going to a nice good boil. And they would let it boil for hours. Hot apple cider? Yeah, something like that. I'm about it. You, you feeling that? Yeah, whiskey and apple cider? Uh, nobody said nothing about whiskey. Well, we just said entrails and an <laughs> apple cider-like. Oh, so the entrails are in the apple cider? No, the entrails are inside hollowed out pumpkins or turnips. Right. Right. So I'm going to take, I'm going to sneak in. I'm going to get me a cup of that hot apple cider. Okay. You know, add a little Dab old, it up. old number seven. Spike it with a little, little number seven. <laughs> a little. I would not recommend that. 
But you know, you do you. <laughs> Little Jackie D. Uh, nah, I, you know, I'm not gonna be nowhere near this because I haven't finished telling you about these festivities. Uh, okay, I just got excited. Hot apple cider sounded good. I don't think you're gonna be as excited about that as we move forward. But put a pin in that. Okay. You and Jackie D. Stand by. <laughs> all right. Okay. So what they would do while all that was going good is they would actually go out into the surrounding areas and they would look for houses of nobility and manners. Right. Sounds good. So yeah, they look for the rich folk. Right. No problem there. When they get to the door of the rich folk, they would bang on the door yelling trick or treat. Now, the people inside would actually be terrified when they would hear that. Okay. Because they knew what trick or treat trick or treat meant. It, it's not give me candy or I'll, or I'll do a prank. No. Okay. Now, while I was taking the notes for this, I think it was about three or four o'clock at, at, at night. Slash in the morning, depending on where you want to do your division. <laughs> okay. And I'm thinking, if I heard people coming down the street and they got lit torches and things like that, as Dave Chappelle would call the Tiki Torch Whites. <laughs> the Tiki Torch Whites is coming down, looking for me. Okay. And I hear a bang on my door. Even if it's a family member that bangs on my door, I get a little nervous when it's at night. Right. If it's a mob of folk, I'm really concerned. If they're hooded, I'm extra concerned. My people don't do well with folk in hoods and, and, and lighted, you know, uh, uh, lunary devices that come out looking for us. It's never a good sign. Right. Yeah, it seemed like it's not going to be a good sign here. Okay. So what they would do is they would bang on the door and they'd yell trick or treat. And I'm sure it wasn't a very polite one. All right. But the people inside, like I said, they knew what trick or treat actually meant. Now, when they heard that, what was expected of them was that the Lord of the Manor, we're talking dukes, earls, marquees, etc. They were supposed to give the druids a quote unquote treat. Now, what type of treat? You know, we're talking goodies, some snacks, you know, maybe a, a special ruler if you're a teacher, a thesaurus. <laughs> no, 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 no. Nothing as wonderful as that. Okay. The druids, they had a very specific taste. Only the finest treats would do. And when they asked for a treat, what they wanted was a maid, a servant, or and if you didn't have any of those available, then a family member that they could use as a human sacrifice. That's not good. No. So the so if I understand correctly, the druids are the priest class. It they are. Is where does the, where does that rank in like royalty? Because we mentioned it before. Are they like in the the top tier? Like they'd be considered the elites? Yes. Okay. Like in that culture, you couldn't do anything without the Druid's approval. You okay. couldn't get married. You couldn't move. You couldn't do, you know, certain job stuff you had to get. You all had to go to the priest to get your blessing. Okay. Because in my mind, you mentioned like dukes and earls. The way that I envision that. that they're pretty of- high up. Like they're almost autonomous, right? Right. They can do what they want. Mm-hmm. Uh, druids outrank you. Okay. Yeah. That's unnerving. Right. Because they weren't known to be the nicest of folk either. <laughs> Right. The dukes, earls, and the marquees. So, as a reward for the treat, the druids would leave one of those lit, carved-out turnips or pumpkins that they had made Mm -hmm. a few nights before. They'd leave it on the porch. You know, the stuff that had the the animal entrails and blood in it. Okay. And, of course, it would be lit on fire. And the carved-out turnip or pumpkin was supposed to act as a ward of protection for that particular household from demonic entities that would be conjured up later that night. Think of it as a perverted Passover. Interesting. Now, this is not the same as a jack-o'-lantern. 
Okay. Jack-o'-lantern's a different thing. Now we can cover that now. We can cover that later. Uh, whatever you want. My mind's you just, spinning right now. I am a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> well, a uh, a jack-o'-lantern has this whole different mythos to it. Basically, there was a nephilim that thought that he was smart. He was apparently very, very uh, clever. And as the myth goes, he tricked the devil. And the devil wasn't happy about that. Okay. And so when he died, being a Nephilim, God wouldn't allow that spirit into heaven. And because Satan was pissed off with him, he wouldn't allow him into hell. So he's forced to walk the earth. Okay. And what he gave him. Like Sam Jackson right. <laughs> in Pulp Fiction. Yeah. He's yeah. just going to walk the earth. That's it. That's what he was doing. <laughs> But in order to light his way, he gave him a carved out turnip. Okay. Now, when you get to the United States, you know, as these, as these stories migrate with the people who came over here, mm-hmm. turnips don't grow too well over here. So what grows well are pumpkins. So okay. it changes a little bit from a turnip to a pumpkin. But the idea is that he was to use this to light his way as he went through on, on, on his prison assignment of being consigned to the earth. Okay. So what were the turnips? Do you know what the turnips or pumpkins that the druids used? What were they called? Just pumpkins? I I don't know. Okay. But because I've heard a lot of, because I mean, being on the outside of this, because you did the hard research for this one. I've heard people confuse those two things and say that the jack-o'-lanterns are really supposed to ward off evil spirits, but they're really two distinctly different Rituals? Yes, as far as I understand that they're they're different. Okay. Now, I'm not an expert immersed in the, in the culture. Uh-huh. So, you know, take that for what you will. But as far as I understand, they're different. Okay. Um, and they're they're different in their origination and they're different for their purpose. Okay. So the jack-o'-lantern, I don't think it's the same as just a carved out pumpkin. Okay. Because you can carve out a pumpkin and just, you know, carve out the inside and then stuff it with stuff almost like a container. Uh-huh. But then carving stuff into it and placing a light in it, a little different. Okay. Similar, but different. Right. Um, now, the Jack thing, though, is actually interesting. I'm going to take a little tangent for a second. Okay. So, one of the things that Gary Wayne, who I was listening to, was kind of preparing for some of this. One of the things he pointed out was how the occultists use language that that is symbolic in nature right it's what they call taciturn language okay and so this idea of a jack is really um equivalent to a trickster spirit okay that goes between two different worlds interesting and you'll find this characteristic replicated in the various places that the occult puts the character of Jack into their work. How do you mean? Well, let's take Jack Sparrow. Okay. All right. Uh Uh-huh. He goes between worlds, between the living and the dead. When you you do the first Pirate of the Caribbean, either first or second, they're Barbosa and they're going after the coin. Right, and yeah, you the actually first find one. out that they're all dead. So he travels back and forth from the the dead on the pirate ship to the land of the living. Yes. Interesting. Which is why he's named Jack. And then Jack um, from, uh, what is it? The night, the night before Christmas? That's not it. I never liked this movie. You're talking about the nightmare? Nightmare before Christmas. Yeah. That's what it is. Yeah. 
Yeah, he goes back. That's, I didn't even think about that one. Yeah. There's another one I jumped to. What's that? I jumped to Titanic. Because I wanted oh, to see okay. if this held true. Uh-huh. Notice how Jack is a trickster. Leonardo, Leonardo DiCaprio's character right. wants to pass himself off between two worlds. Yeah. He's going from the poor to the rich. Okay. And he's trying to trick the rich into thinking that he actually has money when he doesn't. Interesting. I'm like, this is crazy. Jack and the Beanstalk. He goes between two different worlds. Right. And he tries to trick the the giant. Yeah. Huh. Now, I'm not going to go as far as to say this holds true for every time Jack is used. For but when any start- of our listeners that are named Jack, we apologize. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I even tried to think about Jack Ryan. Okay. But he's a spy passing himself off as different. Right. I was like, oh, this is starting to get unnerving. Yeah. When you really start thinking about it. That's interesting. Now, remember, trickster spirit, right? Mm-hmm. Is it any wonder then that when you put this thing into a box, you know, Jack in the box, oh. and you turn it, and it pops out, it scares you, right? Uh-huh. Going between two different worlds, in the box, out of the box. Okay. But it's designed to trick you. You, right. know, you think this is something innocent. Ding, 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 pow. Right. And now all of a sudden you're freaked out. Huh. That's the reason they call it Jack in the Box. That's crazy. Anyhow, back to the Druids. <laughs> That's a fun little tangent. No, that was good. I like that. So, what happens to a household that decided, Mm-mm, I ain't giving you none of my people. We locked and loaded. You, We fighting for ours. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, for that special household that decided to grow a pair and not cooperate with the Druids, they were given a trick. Here's what the like trick was. Like a prostitute? No, 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 no. Nothing so nice. <laughs> Here's what the trick was. <laughs> the Druids would paint in blood a six-pointed star with a circle around it. Now, anybody that's familiar with occult imagery, they know that that six-pointed star with a circle is a hexagram, and it's the strongest occult symbol uh, that, that magicians use. And it's often used to conjure spirits during occult rituals, even to this day. Okay. So they will put that on the household in order to direct the evil spirits that are going to be released later mm-hmm. to that household to assault and torture the inhabitants. And it must have, I mean, it must have been bad enough that it was better to lose one person. Right. Than have these spirits unleashed on your house. Right. Wow. So now, after all these fun festivities, after they've gotten up all of their party participants, mm-hmm. we going back. We're going back to the campfire. Let's go on back. With a hot apple cider? And the Jackie D. <laughs> okay. And so what they would do is they would get the hostages. Jack. Oh, no. I'm going to let that go. Leave Jack Daniels alone. <laughs> all right. <laughs> but after this, they get the hostages and they go back to Stonehenge. Right? Okay. And some of the hostages were actually lined up in front of the cauldron, but most were put in cages. Now, these cages were inside of this structure. The structure was like in the shape of a, of a human being. They'd have cages inside of that, and then they'd have cages surrounding the outside perimeter, just like an overflow. Okay. And so they put the hostages in, into those cages, but they have a few that they lined up in front of the cauldrons. Okay. Now, mind you, these cauldrons have been boiling for hours. They are good and hot. Mm-hmm. You got to keep in mind that the boiling point of a liquid is 212 degrees, which is hot enough to melt the skin off of your face. 
Okay. All right. What they would do is they would tell them. They they toss some apples into this liquid and they would tell them if you can get the apple between your teeth, you'd be freed. Now you got to slow down and think about this. 212 degree temperature liquid. Fahrenheit. Fahrenheit. Thank you. 100 degrees Celsius for our overseas listeners. Thank you. Appreciate that. If you were to get this on you, you're talking third degree burns, right? Melting the skin off your face, past the muscle, burning the bone. You're going to have inhalation difficulties because your nose and mouth are going to be submerged in it. Right. Right. You're going to have hearing problems, depending on if it's splashed up and got in your ears. Right. So possible deafness. If it gets in your eyes, which is likely, you're talking blindness or partial blindness. Permanent disfigurement for sure. Mm-hmm. Severe pain and torture. This is known as bobbing for apples. Wow. Innocent, harmless practice. Of course. Absolutely. Now, the druids were not the type of people that were without compassion. Okay. If you were able to get the apple, you'd be freed. They'd actually let you go? They'd actually let you go. Hmm. All right. I don't know how you see how to get home. And it's going to definitely, definitely change the context of the marriage. A little bit. Yeah. But I'm sure letting your wife go to get tortured was already going to change the context <laughs> of the marriage to begin with. So you probably were in a good situation. Right. But it's going to be a bit worse. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Now, if they were not successful in actually getting the apple, then they were beheaded. Right on the spot. That that's a horrible position to be in. That's what will give you the motivation to do it. Well, I mean, just to have to choose between like perma- permanent disfigurement and incredible pain in life, and then just just giving up. Christopher, I don't know where you think you get the cultural arrogance to look at these people that are just practicing. <laughs> their form of cultural worship in their land to their God. We just need to be tolerant to all types of people. Exactly. Okay. This is a fun night. I told you these are festivities. It all take Uh. place at Samhain. This is their holy day. And you're not allowed to look down on other religions. Okay. Okay. All right. Now I want to tell you more about these fun festivities. All right. Tell me more. So The people who they decided not to behead, Mm -hmm. because most of them would be beheaded right on the spot. Some would be sent back to the cages. Okay. Getting these cages, this cager was made of uh, of wicker, right? Okay. They put them in there. You know what they would do? Burn them. They light this bad boy on fire. There was a there was a movie Wicker Man it's was called The Wicker Man with Nicolas Cage, mm-hmm. where a bunch of women try to burn him. Alive. I don't remember what happened. I haven't yeah. seen it. Yeah, look out for women. That's the moral of the story. I think there's probably a deeper moral that's mm, covered up. That's all I got. That was all you got. But <laughs> you, you didn't know about this. No, I didn't know. I, I thought that they just kind of made it up for that movie. Uh uh-uh. no this this is the roots of the. The, the Wicker Man Festival, and it's also the roots of Burning Man. Oh. 
Okay. Burning Man is held, uh, uh, was what's held not too long ago in Nevada. Um, and Wicker Man is held in Scotland. Interesting. I was going to ask if, if any of these practices are still done. They are. Huh. Now, they may not be done to the exact specificity of the Druids, but it's done in light of that, whether the occupants or not occupants, but participants are aware of it or not. Okay. Well, you mentioned um, a quote about how uh, the pagans had to go underground or hide what they were doing because of the church. Mm-hmm. So w- would this kind of be the the result of that? Like the practices are still being done, but they're altered is to not flag um, the church. Yes. I, I think not only not flag the church, but they also need to keep honoring the gods that they worship. Okay. But the, the, then they just have to do it in a more socially acceptable way nature because they're no longer the elites they're not but well what they're doing now they're they're the elites but they don't have the measure of control over society that they had then that's why they want population control exactly so hmm. you're conditioning people to accept it and as they get more power and control over society the truer nature of these rituals become realized it will be too late right because, I mean, that makes sense if you look into Hollywood and how we start seeing, like, the the foreskin creams and the blood. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I don't makeup. know what movies you was watching. Hey, you were the one that just Whoa, whoa, whoa. Do not about, throw me into some foreskin cream conversation. Well, I'm, I mean, you, you got a weird look on your face when I said foreskin. But you were talking about Goliath's low-hanging fruit just a few minutes ago. I didn't say that. I said he was uncircumcised. You said his banana had not been peeled. That is not what I said at all. (laughs) Now I am looking at bananas totally differently. (laughs) There's a Chappelle joke about that, but I'm not getting into it. I'm going to move on. (laughs) You need help, dude. (laughs) Low-hanging fruit for for a giant. Oh, I better not have nightmares, man. <laughs> I hope you do. You've, you've got to let me know. But no, so, I mean, we see spirit cooking and all of that stuff is becoming more mainstream. Mm-hmm. Occultism is becoming more mainstream. That's we nuts. are getting a taste and a flavor for the appetites of demons. That's what we're being conditioned to accept slowly but surely. All right. And it's a very successful campaign. So... They lit this all on fire, right? Mm-hmm. Would you like to know what else this was called? No. It was <laughs> called bonfires. That's not where we get the term bonfire, is it? It's exactly where we get the term bonfire. Huh. And we like to do it at this season. Right. This is why. Huh. Now, the Druids weren't stupid. Okay? All right. To protect themselves, the Druid priest would wear masks and costumes to keep out the spirits that they were invoking by way of this mass human sacrifice ritual. So that's interesting to me. Okay. It's interesting that these experts in dealing with supernatural beings and magic, that they recognized that covering their face changed their relationship with the spirit realm. Yeah. Or at the very least caused a relationship 
in the spiritual realm to be recognized. Right. There, one way or another, there is a connection right. between a face covering and the spirit realm, which is also interesting if you consider coming out of the pandemic. Right. And the, the I would say encouragement, but the, the forced face covering that we saw, was there a spiritual connection there? Um, I, I wouldn't say probably in this respect. No, not but, not, not but, necessarily. Yeah, I but. would definitely say that there was a a larger significance to that than what we were given. Okay, but I would say that about the entire COVID pandemic as a whole. Right, and no. that would be another two three episodes in and of itself. <laughs> right now, I didn't mean to go off on this huge tangent. Yes, because but, we just lost ten percent of our listeners. They just threw up their phones. And, oh my god, here they go. <laughs> but I think it's important. It's an interesting concept to realize that changing face covering or outfit or whatever has a, a relational effect to the spirit realm. Well, it does. If you go back into history, you'll find that the shamans, which were the medicine men and the sorcerers of, of their, not just their time, but of their region, their area their, or their, their clan or their tribe, what they would do is actually paint their faces white. Okay. All right. It's kind of like the same thing we get from mimes. And this is this is all part of the whole trickster motif, but it also shows you it demonstrates a level of allegiance to the spiritual realm and to particular evil spirits. You'll see this replicated even in the uh, the royal court. Okay, the thing that looks most like a spirit was the jester. Okay, and the jester would have a white face. And his his purpose was to please the king, you know, make him laugh, what have you, do tricks, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And if he was unsuccessful, what they would do is they would take a knife. And according to Gary Wayne, they would cut themselves on each side of their, their mouth. To make it look like they're smiling? Yes. Which sounds a lot like what? The Joker. Think that's coincidental? No. Nope. Not at all. Huh. It's also where you start to get the clown idea. Right. It all has its roots back in pagan ritualistic activities that extend from the Nephilim and the angelic fathers that they had who established a global religious protocol. That protocol was broken up after the flood right after Tower of Babel when the nations were broken up. Mm-hmm. But in its cellular divisions, it has still kept the roots, the spiritual pagan roots that it originated from. Okay. And this has infected the represented cultures that these Nephilim kings were over. Huh. So none of this stuff is benign. Not even when it comes to, to costumes. Right. You know, you take costumes from the Halloween season. Halloween, again, extends from this whole Druid festival of Samhain. Mm-hmm. Coincidentally, you ever know how it got its name? Samhain? No, Halloween. It's a really weird name. Like how you go from Samhain to Halloween? Yeah, they don't sound anything alike. Nah, phonetically, they're not associated. What happened was um, during the time from October 29th to the 1st, when they would be re- remembering the dead, Mm-hmm. As that practice got quote unquote Christianized, they also had remember all saints. It's like all saints day or whatever. All saints day. Yeah. Okay. That happened at the same time. So that was a hollow time, special time. 
So it became Hollow's Day or, or yeah, Hollow's Day, Hollow's Evening. And then because it's the eve of All Hollow's Day. I think All Hollow's Day was on the 1st okay. of November. So the 31st would be All Hollow's Eve. And somehow Eve got shortened to to evening, which got shortened to Ean. Okay. I don't know how it goes from evening to Ean. Well, I don't know how we go from Sam Hain to Sawin. So, so it's you outside can, my you can do whatever you want. Apparently, apparently so. <laughs> right. But uh, who's it? Um, I forget the Pope. I'm going to say Pope Gregory the first, but don't quote me on that. Okay. But essentially one of the Popes, they, they actually tried to codify this into a combined system. So everybody was happy. And that's what they call it was synchronicity. Sacronicity, I believe. Sacronicity. Okay. When you, bl- when you blend pagan rituals with Christianity. Okay. Which is something we are not supposed to do. Right. Never, never good when no, that happens. No, 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 no. This is innocent, though, right? Innocent fun? Mm. Just fun, candy, all of that good stuff, right? Sounding less and less innocent to me. Well, listen, let's just talk about costumes, because we all like doing the whole costume thing, right? Right. I mean, I went through this. I dressed up as a kid. The costume thing was fun. Yeah. I enjoyed being somebody else for a day, right? I never, my mom was kind of big into this stuff when I was younger, she was way more keen on not participating in paganism when I was younger. Okay, fascinating. I think somewhere along the lines, just she got weary of being the only one. The social pressure of being excluded mm-hmm. and being the, the outlier. Yeah. I get that, and that's a very real pressure. And, and then I think it also got easy because we just grew up and moved out. Mm-hmm. You know, But she definitely has... Um, not necessarily changed her stance, but just come away from from fighting for it. So I never really dressed up for Halloween. I, I, I think maybe one time I dressed up like Sean from Shaun of the Dead, but it wasn't a normal practice that we had as children. I got to dress up for Halloween up until a point where I think I was like nine or 10. Mm-hmm. And then my parents decided we were no longer going to participate in Halloween. And I didn't quite understand why. Okay. Um, and I wasn't happy. Because I didn't want to be the odd kid out. Right. Um, I also wasn't happy because I enjoyed dressing up. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed being like different, kind of like what I enjoyed in getting into a video game. It allowed me to participate in a type of life that I wouldn't necessarily be able to. Okay. So I remember dressing up as a fireman one year. All that was right. kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I was a Ninja Turtle one year. That wasn't bad. Which one? If I remember, I think Raphael. I would be, I would be, yeah, I would be disappointed (laughs) if you picked any other one. (laughs) Actually, my favorite Ninja Turtle was Donatello. Because he was the smart one? It wasn't even that. It's because he had the bow staff. Okay. And I I always thought that out of all the weapons, the bow staff was the coolest to me. I only like the bow staff in the, um, the video game media because it had the, the greatest distance. Mm-hmm. the nunchucks and so like my favorite was it ease of game so donatello because he had the furthest reach and then leonardo because his swords were kind of long but then michelangelo and Raphael, man you got size and nunchucks like you're getting hit in the face before you can even swing on something right right i think for me just <laughs> the bow staff to, to see people skillfully wield a bow staff okay is fascinating to me because i don't think you would just look at a stick and think that it could be as deadly as it really can be in the hands of a skilled practitioner. Right. 
No, that makes sense. You know, you start twirling it and you crack somebody upside the head, you know, like Rafiki did. And when they come back to the sensors, like, what'd you do? Doesn't matter. It's in the <laughs> <past>. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right, right. But yeah, I, they, they stopped a lot of that practice for me. And I'm, I'm grateful that they did because a lot of the stuff I didn't know. And I mean, like up to a few years ago, I didn't really know. Interesting. Like we still don't practice it at all. But I'm like, why? Outside of just the basic Christian answer. Well, you know, it's an evil holiday. That doesn't really help give you a good understanding of why should you abstain from even what seems to be trivial participation. Right. One thing, this isn't costume related, but I, th- I think it applies here a little bit that I remember in first grade, I don't have a whole lot of memories from first grade, but, but a few, this one stands out too much Jackie D. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but there was, it was whatever Halloween festivities were going on in elementary school. And one of the crafts that we were supposed to do is take all of these pieces of like construction paper that okay. were cut out and we were supposed to make a witch. Okay. But my mom was very aware of what was going on in the classroom, which finally parents are paying attention to nowadays. But she had actually called in and said, look, we don't do this kind of stuff. You know, can you make sure that he's, he doesn't have to make a witch or whatever. Mm -hmm. So I remember in class that everyone else had to make a witch with their pieces. I was allowed to create whatever I wanted. And even at that young age, I was like, why do I need a religious exemption to be creative? Like I thought it was great. Like I had all these different pieces and I could craft whatever I wanted. Everyone else had to make the assigned project. And that just seems so weird to me. You know, and as I hear that story, what, what sticks out to me is why is it mandated that you have to do a witch? Right. Why couldn't you just make whatever? Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna make costumes. You know, pick something you want to be. But it took my mom calling in and talking to the staff to change that. That's crazy. It is like what part of the curriculum said? You know what? Witches will be a good thing that that we should do. <laughs> yeah. What's more irritating is in a culture that proclaims itself to be divorced from the 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 devolved need for religion mm-hmm. and. Super, what do they call that? Um, mine went blank. Um, I don't know. Pseudoscientific? No, no. The, uh, what do they call it? Like the fear of 13. Superstitious. Superstitious. Thank you. So a culture that claims that it has evolved past superstition mm-hmm. and is scientific. Why then would that culture be reaching for something that is spiritual in nature, like a witch. It's a good point. Why are we not dressing up as Einstein? Why aren't uh, some of us being, you know, beaker tubes? Right. If that if that is everything. You're a round type child. You look like a very <laughs> nice petri dish. You know, that's what we can have you for. That's funny. I'm sorry. You 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 have a hot head. You're a Bunsen burner. <laughs> Why do I know all these terms? <laughs> I don't know. That's funny. You know, but you understand what I'm saying? Uh-huh. We, we could be reaching for all of these little quote unquote scientific things. Isn't it fascinating that the mandate from a higher authority level onto a child in its impressionable state is for them to reach for something that is spiritually dark? 
That's interesting. It's accidental, man. I'm reading too much into it. That, <laughs> that crap is thin. There was a, um, it reminds me, there's an episode of The Twilight Zone. I know you never watched that. It was black and white and old, but it was... I get it, bored every time you say black and white and old. I have to really zero in and focus. Right. So forget that it's black and white and old. Okay, I'm back. But but given the, the time that it was, it was really interesting. This one episode had to do with an African curse. And because yeah. they were trying to buy, it was about this corporation that was trying to buy land for mm-hmm. oil or something like that. Mm-hmm. And they're having a board meeting and the main character is just tearing everybody apart about being superstitious. He's like, look at the time that we're in. Look what we believe in. Look what we've accomplished. And he's like, you've got a rabbit's foot and we're in a building that doesn't even have a 13th floor. And for that time, like it was attacking a lot of regular practices as being pagan. And I was like, wow. It's pretty aggressive. It was. I don't think most people catch a lot of those things. No. Like how saturated our culture really is. Right. The propaganda is that we've evolved and we are beyond the need mm-hmm. for a god. But and unless if somebody we calls one, in, <laughs> we'll design it ourselves. Right. Right. Because we have evolved to the higher level. Right. We are the God. That's where we're moving towards. That's what we're trying to. Yeah. But during this fun festive festive time <laughs> of Samhain, we want to dress our kids up. Right. Mm-hmm. So I did a quick Google search, just a little independent research. <laughs> All so, right. Hey, Google. Google said, Boop. yes. What do you want now? I have a very weird Google voice. I was going to say. Setting. Yeah, it's not like Apple. Apple's got a nice little sexy voice. I, I enjoy talking to her. Okay. Yeah, Google's a little aggravating, but she gives better <laughs> results. So I'm in a six of one hand, half dozen the other situation. All right. So I asked Google, I said, hey, what are popular costumes right now for Halloween? Mm-hmm. Get back some interesting results. Top five popular costumes, most popular costume for adults. Okay. Number one, witch. That's interesting. Number two, vampire. Number three, ghost. Number four, pirate. Number five, superhero slash sex kitten. That? <laughs> that's number five? Oh, yeah. Because the black cat, dressing up as a cat is, is, is the nice thing. And nobody just dresses up as a little furry cat. Right. It's always a sex kitten. What reminds me, we did an episode. It's exactly what my mind went to. Yeah, beta kittens. Beta kitten programming. I was like, I would have never seen that. That's crazy. But our children are not to be left out in this endeavor. Okay. And so, top five most popular costumes for kids. Spider-Man. Transhumanism. Princesses. Okay. Number three, witch. All right. Four, ghost. And number five, superhero. Huh. Now, on the surface, kids' ones don't seem so bad. Yeah, Spider-Man, Princess. Okay. All right. Which, okay, we get that one. Ghost, Casper was friendly. Superhero, <laughs> we got a lot of choices here. Yeah. Right? Not not so bad. Let's, let's go back to the top with the adults. Number one is the witch. Okay. Okay, witch slash warlock. This is a problem. Yeah. This uh, scripture says anyone, if you find a witch among you, don't suffer a witch. They should be put to death. Why are we dressing up as that type of person? Why are we why are we identifying and taking on the identity of that type of a person? It seems problematic. Yeah. Vampire. Okay, now this is interesting. Now some people don't think vampires exist. Okay. Okay. Um, I'm still doing research. Okay. Okay. 
I don't have personal anecdotal information mm-hmm. that I can rest on that says they do. However, given what I am learning about the various types of life forms and the perversions that happen on Mount Hermon and carried out through Genesis 6, I would not be surprised if vampires were a real thing. Okay. It wouldn't shock me in the least. Me either. Not, 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 not at all. Now, what I do find fascinating is where the whole um, idea for Dracula came from. Vlad the Impaler? Vlad the Impaler is who Dracula is based on. Now, Vlad the Impaler was a real historical figure. Mm-hmm. Also a Nephilim. Right? Right. He can trace his bloodline to that. Do you know <laughs> who else can trace their bloodline to Vlad? Uh, the queen that just died, right? Yes, which means Prince Charles III, right? I think so. Yeah. He traces his lineage directly back to Vlad. Isn't it like four? Like great, 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 great grandfather or something like that? Like it's not even that far back. Oh, no, it's not too far, but I haven't traced far. I haven't traced how far back he is. To know how many generations? Correct. Not far. No. You could fit it on one hand. But hey, now King Charles III traces his lineage back, but he's a, he's a Briton. Okay. Us over here across the pond, we would not be, we would not find ourselves accosted with such trivial manners, right? I don't believe you. Well, what are you talking about? We're a scientific community. We don't trace our lineage back to none of this, except for a couple guys known as the Bushes. Really? The Bushes trace their lineage back to Vlad as well. Huh. I, I sense an episode coming on. Yeah, I think we're going to have to do that. But now, again, back to vampires. We're talking about a being that feeds on blood. Mm -hmm. Blood is very important in the spiritual realm. Blood is where the the life resides. Okay, There are tribes in the continent of Africa that still consume blood raw. Human blood or just animal blood? Animal blood. Okay. The one they drink it, the the ones, the the pre-NBA players. That's what I call them. <laughs> okay. They're the tall ones. They're thin and they jump real high. All Masu right. tribe or something like that. I can't remember their exact name. I'm not sure. You know what I'm talking about? No. Oh, you don't? Yeah, <sighs> they, they drink the blood of bulls. Like they will literally take a, a little knife or a tool, puncture the side of the neck, and fresh warm blood will, will pour out and they'll <sighs> put it in a bowl. <sighs> I know, right? Put it in a bowl and drink it. It's part of the rite of passage thing. Hmm disgusting to me yeah it's part of of the stuff they do now you might be tempted to think hey that's that tribe over there they're a third world country they're undeveloped again as scientific people we don't do stuff like that with blood is Africa a third world continent no I'm saying the actual the the actual country the actual country that that tribe resides in okay Africa as a continent I don't think they they classify continents as a first world, second or third world. Okay. It's just countries. I think it's that being said, go ahead. We were talking <laughs> about the, you know, here in the West, we don't really do a lot of things with blood like that. But okay. You might be shocked to find out that here in the West, we actually do things with blood. That's just as weird. I mean, there's celebrities right now. You were talking about that cream mm-hmm. that use blood in their facial cream. I believe it's blood from abortive fetuses. Okay. Uh, that they use 
into the cream in order to that they spread on their face in order to stay young. Okay. I mean, all that, it's the idea that like the, the lifeblood or the life is in the, the blood, like you were saying. Right. So it's a way like the fountain of youth. Right. Because they've even tried to inject like young mice blood into old mice. If I can find a picture of this or whatever, I'll try to put it on our YouTube. Not YouTube. I'll try to put it on our Instagram. The the blood face cream? Yeah, because I believe it was Kim Kardashian. Okay. I, I can that, believe that. that. was doing that. I don't think she was the only one, but I think that was like the, the headline. Okay. Very disgusting. Very disturbing. Yeah. Some of the things that we do. So you don't want to just look down your nose at a group of people that we think are less evolved. Right. Than we are. And not realize that we are just as pagan. We're just more sophisticated. Right. Or we lie about it and they're more honest. Yeah. I think that's probably more accurate. Probably more accurate. Yeah. All right. So let's move on to third one. Ghost. You know, there's nowhere that you can find this idea of an immortal spirit that just runs around, a human immortal spirit, that runs around on this plane after death. No. What you do find are familiar spirits, actually demonic spirits that have familiarized themselves with a particular bloodline in order to replicate the characteristics of that individual. Right. And terrorize people on this plane of existence. Mm Mm-hmm. But that seems like a good thing to want to dress up as. (laughs) Right? No. And we got pirate. A pirate doesn't seem so bad. Pirate is just a thief. A rebel. That's not bad. That's not terrible. It's not like vampire or witch. Okay. Then we move to the superhero. I mean, first off, pirate's bad. (laughs) Just want to make sure (laughs) I I say that. Okay. But then we move to the superhero slash, slash sex kitten. This one's upsetting for me, like especially what we just learned about what beta kittens are. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I, I could see why that would be an issue. Yeah. So let's hold off on the superhero part because we, we got that in, in uh, the kids. Okay. The kids list. It's their fifth most popular thing. I'd almost argue that it's their first most popular because Spider-Man's considered a superhero. Right. But we'll save that. We, we won't. We won't stress that. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> the sex kitten issue. Dressing up as a black cat, mm-hmm. I found to be interesting. One, I didn't know that it was such a popular costume choice. Right. Two, I, outside of our our episode that we did on Anton Lavey, mm-hmm. and getting into the MK Ultra programming and uncovering this whole Beta Kitten programming protocol, uh-huh. I would have never thought about it. Right. I wouldn't have either. Now that that I've got that, I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. It's not accidental that we are dressing up, that our females are dressing up as black cats or variations thereof. Right. Because the the leopard print was big for the beta kitten. It was. It was. Uh, But see, it made me think, every time I've seen that costume, is it more cat-like or is it more sexy? And almost every time I've seen a female in a kitten costume, it's in a sexy right. orientation. Right. It seems to be like more lingerie with just a hint, like a, a cat ears and a tail. You're not in like a full fur outfit. Right. Yeah. Or you might go to like Halle Berry's portrayal of Catwoman. Very, very nice. <laughs> that movie was so bad. Yes, but the cameraman did a great <laughs> job. <laughs> Terrible movie. 
great cinematography. <laughs> uh, you might go to Michelle Pfeiffer's portrayal. I mean, because that had a bit of sexiness to it. It did, and it was it was low key. Like it wasn't in yeah. your face. It's like I don't want to say subliminal, but it was very sexual in in a subtle way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it was less sexually overt than Barry's portrayal of Catwoman. Right. But society, I don't think, was ready for that. Yeah, they would have freaked. So what it was was the appropriate level of sexual programming for the place that society was at at that time. Huh. <laughs> oh, man. Totally different perspective on it, right? It is, yeah. So, okay, let's let's transition to the, to the, the kid folk. All right. So now we got Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. And you said it earlier, Spider-Man represents transhumanism. Yes. Spider-Man, if you look into the mythos, it's the blending of animal DNA with human DNA. Right. Spider-Man is basically a chimera. And because he's a chimera, he also qualifies as a modern form of a Nephilim. Yep. That's problematic. <laughs> yes. Okay, his creators are well aware of that. They do have uh, Stan Lee has, has been <laughs> Stan Lee has definitely been steeped in occult rituals mm-hmm. and occult knowledge. I'll say that instead of rituals, occult knowledge. Right. It's evident in the works. It's evident in things that he's produced. Yeah. This much could not be accidental. No, no. He, he was versed in that. Let's talk about princesses. Okay. Princesses are, are fairly innocent, right? Unless you connect it to like we were just talking, the royal bloodline, and that you have your right to rule by being a descendant of Nephilim. I wasn't even going to go that direction. Oh, I, I like where you went because <laughs> I hadn't thought about that. Okay. I was thinking some of the danger in our culture will come from the fact that I would I would argue 99.5% of the population's idea of a princess mm-hmm. is derived from the Disney concept of princess. Oh, okay. Disney has a lot of programming embedded in it. Yes, that they admit. Absolutely. Every one of those princesses has issues. Yeah. You can see it, family dynamics, whatever it is, there's there's a problem that's that's embedded in that person. So not only does Disney do all that type, all, all the programming for our modern concept of what it means to be a, a princess, but one of the common associations with princess is the whole idea of a unicorn. Okay. Yeah. Right? Now, unicorn, when you trace the idea back, actually has to, it, it is a Nephilim chimera animal. Okay. Okay. It, it was mixed. I believe it had like the body of a horse, um, the, the horn that was implanted in it. Uh, had to be huge. I mean, I, I believe it had the tail of a lion and I forget what it had the feet of. It was, okay. it was a mixture type of animal. And it had to be huge because it was what the Nephilim rode on. Oh, that I didn't know. Yeah, and it had to be big enough where that, that horn was, was supposed to be large enough that it could rip the belly out of an elephant. Jeez. Like, these are like huge mythical creatures. Okay. But they're chimera. They, they are an unsanctioned life form in kind. They are often drawn in innocent cartoon-like fashion. Right. Which makes them seem very benign. Mm-hmm. So when you're talking about princess, you're almost always probably talking about unicorn as well. There's the occult connection. It's going to okay. be subtle. Right. Right. It's going to be using that, like we were talking about earlier, taciturn language. It's not going to be as apparent as, as you would think the quote-unquote occult would need to be. But heck, we're doing witches. 
that's very out there and nobody seems to have a problem with that right in fact that's like the number three thing now i can't understand why we think it's okay or innocent or fun to dress our children up as a witch considering what witches historically would do especially with children yeah that doesn't make a lot of sense like even if you you don't buy into the reality of magic and all of that like these aren't upstanding people you know it's weird all of these ideas are problematic and unsettling right i mean we got ghost again as, as the number four now like i don't think it was disney who did this but whoever whatever production house put this out casper the friendly ghost mm-hmm. made childlike ghosts look very innocent and fun yeah okay you didn't see him distorted you didn't see him in a torturous mode he wasn't really uh harassing or violating people he just seemed like your friendly neighborhood buddy even though his his friends or whatever did i mean they had to emphasize well this ghost is the friendly ghost right because there are other ones that are not so friendly but he's friendly Right. But yeah, I I had not even thought about that until just now that that kind of broke through like, hey, maybe you should get to know them. Get your own ghost, though. Yeah. I mean, if they're helpful, these ideas are so subtle that if you're not intentional about it, you really won't catch them. It will seem as when a person points them out to you, it'll seem almost as though they're straining at gnats, you know, building a mountain out of a molehill, as my dad used to say. Right. And that's not the case. The case is that we're trying to actually put emphasis on something that has been been strategically de-emphasized for a reason. And that is to buy the acceptance of the person. Okay. Now, number five on both lists for children and for grown adults is superhero. Mm-hmm. And superhero is the most interesting one. Because if, you, if you've done research on any of the popular superheroes, one of the things that will become most apparent to you is that each one of their mythos is infused with occult meaning. In fact, it has been argued, and I would say I have to agree with this position, that superheroes today are the modern form of Nephilim of the ancient world. Yeah, I can get behind that. Why are we then encouraging ourselves and our children to dress up as those type of beings? I mean, it's a good question. Superman is not innocent. It's not a benign idea. Superman is an alien God that takes on the form of humanity or comes to Earth in the form of humanity in order to be Earth's savior. Yep. Batman is not innocent at all. In fact, the writers of Batman, especially the modern day writers, are have actually admitted to being witches and importing witchcraft ideas into the storyline of Batman. See, that I didn't know. Popular writers. I forget huh. the guy's name. Like, he's, he's actually a witch, a practicing witch. Huh. And he, he wanted to he wanted to infuse that into the Batman lore. Was it the Heath Ledger ones or the Christian Bale ones? No, mostly it's in the comic book side. But those okay. influenced the movies. Right, right. Um, you, you can take almost anyone. Take Hulk. Hulk is is basically transhumanism. It's it's humanity mixing with technology that opened up a doorway to which a spirit being takes over that makes him immensely strong. When he gives into his emotions, get primarily to anger. Yeah, and then eventually he has to learn how to live with the monster. Uh huh. That has its own <laughs> arc. That's right. problematic and bad. He's essentially Hulk's a demon. Yeah. If you want to just look at it clearly and, and state it as plainly as possible, 
Tony Stark represents man's triumph through technology. Uh-huh. That man does not need God. Man can save himself through technology. Right. That's a problem. We could keep going down the list. Wolverine, transhumanism, blending his DNA with animalistic DNA in order to make him a weapon. Deadpool. Yeah. I'm not even going to touch it. I don't need to. <laughs> right. His name is Deadpool. Mm-hmm. But he was like the Wolverine Weapon X on steroids. Right. Sabretooth. Archangel. Nightshade. The Beast. Do I need to keep going? <laughs> have, I, have I named enough? I, th- I, I mean, for me, I'm convinced. Just to kind of get people's attention. Mm-hmm. These are some of the main players. And they all have occult backstories. When you dig for enough, far enough, and you know what you're looking for, why would you condition your kids to think that it's innocent? It's really not innocent. Does that mean that I'm not excited for the fact that Hugh Jackman and Ryan Reynolds are about to team up for Deadpool 3 and I'll get to see Wolverine on the silver <laughs> screen? No, it doesn't mean that, I, that, that I'm upset about that. I'm actually looking forward to that. Are they really? Yeah. Deadpool 3. Is gonna is coming out. All right. And Hugh Jackman is gonna reprise his role as Wolverine. Okay. Because if Ryan Reynolds was made for any role, it was that of Deadpool. Unfortunately. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I don't want to say that God specifically made Ryan Reynolds <laughs> going. You need to play Deadpool. You know what? Knowing full well genetic manipulation and uh, brainwashing, uh-huh. I f- could sit comfortably saying that Hollywood made Ryan Reynolds to play Deadpool. I would agree with that one. <laughs> you know, and Hugh Jackman reprising his role as Wolverine is exciting to me. That'll be cool. And I hope I get to see Wolverine in his traditional costume. That would be sweet. Just because I've never seen it cinematically. And they've only hinted at it once. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, please do it. Would you want me to wear spandex? Yes. Yes. That is, as a matter of fact. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, that is how I envision Wolverine. And you need to bring this to life for me. All right. Now, I feel a little hypocritical saying that. Being excited about Hugh Jackman and spandex? No, not that part. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, looking forward to that. Okay. All right. But at least I don't go into these stories. I mean, you know, you're like shot on one foot or the other. Um, if, if you just take a position of don't look at none of this stuff. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, you're a fuddy-duddy. Okay. You mean to tell me you'll never watch this? Then if you're like, no, I get it. I appreciate the films. I get why you would like these. Oh, well, you're not seriously committed to the cause. Right. On either side, you're in trouble. Absolutely. So I'm just being honest. Where I'm at, yeah, I'll look forward to the movie. But I'm not going into the movie without realizing or looking for where are they trying to program me. Right. You know, what's the information here? I have to constantly deprogram myself. Well, I've got a friend that uh, he'll message me on Facebook you know, when he listens to a podcast or whatever, or he'll come into contact with new information. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I get that, but I still can't not watch it. You know, he's like, I'm, I'm not so on board that I can't not watch it. And I'm always like, look, it's not about abstaining from. Mm-hmm. It's about being aware of. Right. You are way better off. If I'm wrong, you can correct me. I think that you're way better off if you're watching the movies, aware of what's going on, aware of the programming then you are not watching them and being ignorant of what's going on i would say yes and i would also say 
you got to rely on the Holy Spirit's leading. Right. Because there are films the Holy Spirit's told me, do not watch that. Mm-hmm. And I've been curious. Like, I, I, Ouija board is one. Or the Ouija. Okay. There's one I wanted to actually say, okay, what is this actually about? Don't want to get into it to actually involve myself with the Ouija board. Mm-hmm. Don't want to get into it because I want to just, I think it's innocent or anything like that. Wanted to study it. So, uh, leave that alone. Right. And then I think just like personal awareness is good. Like if you're struggling with, you know, wanting to, to lash out or I don't know, watching movies, if, if you're lonely and are struggling with lust, maybe don't watch, watch Baywatch. That might not be a good thing. Right. Yeah. Right. But I mean, with those practical things being put in place, I don't think there's a lot of danger as long as we're aware of what's going on. Uh, I would at least say the danger is probably mitigated. Right. You know, somebody else can make the argument of whether or not you should look at movies at all and, and all of that. I'm not necessarily going to that degree. Mm-hmm. However, the more studying I do, the less of this I feel comfortable exposing myself to. Yeah, that's true. So I can tell that I'm already being pushed towards the less mm-hmm. side of things. Right. And if I keep following it, I will probably end up eventually at the, no, I don't want it. Mm-hmm. There's more more important things that I can do with my time. Right. I'm starting to understand more. Cynthia says this to me all the time. My sister, I, I she's like, I understand now why old people, when you go to their house and they just wouldn't have the TV on anymore and they wouldn't have the radio. And girl, I ain't got time for that. I got praying to do. I'm like, you're so boring. You know what I mean? You don't watch this and you don't watch that. How do you live? I ain't got time for that. I got praying to do. Mm-hmm. The more you find out how comprehensively structured this this war is, the less inclined I think a person will be towards wanting to engage in these things from a benign perspective. And that means then you really have to consider, well, why am I getting into this? Why am I participating in this? You know, take Halloween. Why are we so inclined to participate in this festival, in this time of year? Like, what is it? Is candy really the big thing? Like, if we took candy off the table and we took costumes off the table, how many of us just want to grab our kids and walk around the block and knock on each of our neighbor's door? No, that's weird. What? I mean, we came to their school and they were like, today we're doing witches. <sighs> yeah, no. No candy, no costumes. Why, why, why are we studying about witches? Oh, that's interesting. You see what I'm saying? Uh-huh. Why are we so hellbent on this? Why does why why do we have such asymptotic behavior? What is that? Asymptotic? Yeah. I have no idea, man. It's just a word that popped in my head when I was writing this. That doesn't happen to you. It actually happens a lot. Does it? <laughs> it does. Well, I mean, you've heard it somewhere. You didn't make it up. No, I didn't make the word up. It just popped into my head. And I was like, ooh, that's that fits. Okay. Then I had to go look it up. I was like, does it fit? And to look it up and find out what it meant. I was like, oh, crap, it really does fit. That's dope. So what is it? Uh, it's a mathematical term, like asymptote. So the asymptote is a line that approaches another line, like on a curve. Okay. And it gets progressively closer, but never actually touches or intersects that line. Okay. We have the same type of behavior. It's, it's, it's uh, articulated in this way. How close can I get to this without crossing the line? Uh, okay. Yep. Yeah. Like, 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 oh, okay. Listen, if I dress up, right, but, but let's say I dress up as Jesus, 
Mm-hmm. Okay, is it really bad for me to participate in Halloween? Okay, I didn't even go to a Halloween party. My church was doing a harvest party. I mean, is that really that bad? Right. So here's the here's kind of the idea that God gave me. Okay. Well, we're over here flirting with this line, trying to figure out how close we can get without crossing it, because crossing it's going to be our threshold for transgressing. Mm-hmm. God's like, I'm nowhere near that line. Right. I'm literally all the way over here. I thought you were following me. Yeah. I've had a, a similar conversation with my wife. Okay. And I was like, what if we took this approach to fidelity? Yeah. It's like, huh? what can I actually do to this hot chick across the table before you divorce oh, so me? So this was you talking to her? I, yeah. I, okay. I didn't know if it was her talking. I was like, well, now we got different issues. <laughs> no, just like <laughs> taking that same approach. Be like, I mean, it's not that bad if I just, if I flirt with her, right? Right. Flirting with her is okay. Okay. Where is the hard and fast line? Do I have to touch? If can I it, touch, can I taste? Right. That's really bad. If I taste... <laughs> Don't swallow. And I, I got to use that because that comes from Devil's After. Right, right. I, I wasn't trying to, to, <laughs> to you know, do a double entendre here. No, I got it. I got it. But yeah. And then I was like, so you're not going to like it. But what, I mean, what can I get away with before you decide that this is, this is a relationship ender? Right. Before you get really upset. And really the issue wasn't those things. It was my attitude that, hey, I want to go as far as I can with this other person. With and still keep you as my wife. Exactly. That's a problem. Now. And then what is would you asymptotic? Totic? Asymptotic. Asymptotic? Yeah. Okay. I'm not gonna remember that one. You know you're gonna add that to your repertoire. I'm gonna try. That is great. <laughs> but you get what I'm saying? Yeah, no. I this is why I have such problems when rebuttals to this type of reasoning of, hey, let's abstain from cultural practices and traditions that are based or rooted in pagan rituals. And the response is, hey, I'm not really observing it that way. Right. It doesn't have any religious significance to me. Right. Right. Okay. We're, we're not doing these things in that same vein. And so this is just innocent fun. I mean, we, we went to see a movie together, but I, I don't feel that way about her. Exactly. You know, it was just innocent fun. It's, uh, I mean, I wasn't participating in, in the way I could have been with her. Right. <laughs> you see, it, it gets real m- muddy real quick. Mm-hmm. It does. And if we're trying to practice spiritual fidelity, I don't understand the rationale. Right. I really don't understand the rationale that says, I want to do this and it's not that big a deal. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. I'm not doing it the way... I realize it was done that way in the past, but that's not the way I'm doing it now. And so I'm okay. Yeah. I, I, I don't get it. I don't get why we're so pressed to want to do the things that our culture does. Right. Like, literally, it's one day out of the year. Now, one person make the argument, well, it's only one day out of the year, and I'm doing this. Like, why are you harping on it? Why are you so pressed for that one day? Right. If it's just one day, let it go. Yeah. What? What is it? Like It's part of a religious cycle. There are people that take this extremely seriously. Mm-hmm. Why is this something you're interested in? Yeah. I just find it fun to dress up in costume. Okay. You ever think about the type of costumes, the season in which you want to do costumes? All of that is important. 
Right. It's getting progressively harder to get people who are systematically detuned intellectually to understand the intellectual ramifications of their decisions and the fact that they live in a culture that is intentionally winding them down so that they are less aware of what they are doing. They are more autonomous in their behavior and they are marching towards the beat of a satanic drum. Yeah. It's really beginning to get troubling, especially with Christians. Okay, people who say they follow Christ, I have more of a gripe with than people who don't follow Christ and want to participate in these type of quote unquote festivities. Mm -hmm. The serious follower of Christ, like where's the rational argument? Yeah. Was Jesus like doing this stuff? Like when Jesus comes back, is this like the, the holiday? He's like, yo, I cannot wait to show y'all how you were really supposed to do Halloween. <laughs> like y'all been doing it wrong. Right. You want a skull mask? I got a skull mask for you, baby. <laughs> Here's Check a T-Rex. Right. You're, you're like, oh, Jesus, that is super scary. <laughs> My gosh, you got the dripping blood and everything. That is dope. Yeah, I've been holding this one out since 300 BC. <laughs> yeah, this is a good one. You want scary demons? Hold your horses. <laughs> I got scary demons for you. Got some pigs over here. Right, right. You you want you want the mutilated torture scene set on your front porch? I can give you some real entrails. Matter of fact, I'll snap right up for you. Fresh. You smell that? They still hot. <laughs> this will set the scene. I don't think this is what he's gonna be practicing. Right. I don't think so either. So I, I'm back to my question. Why are we so hellbent on this? I have a theory. Okay. I, I was hoping you might. Oh, I might have a theory. Uh-huh. And I'm probably wrong. All right. Because I haven't heard people are smarter than me come up with this. Like you haven't come up with this theory for me. So I'm already doubting it. <laughs> okay. All right. So you let me know if you think I'm, I'm off here. All right. My theory is I think the reason we are so pressed to participate in Halloween and in other paganized rituals is because we are under a spell. Okay. I think we are under a spell that was cast on us when we were at our most vulnerable as children. And the unique nature of this spell is that it takes what is a very serious and satanic and harmful and despicable practice and colorizes it with innocence. And it makes our first experience with it fun. Okay. So that we form a memory, right? Or several subsequent memories of the same nature. Uh huh. So that when we get older, we reflect back on it with fondness. Okay. Or right, is my theory. And I think that being put under that spell makes us a victim. We're being abused by a pagan system. And one of the thing I've note one of the things that I have noticed with those who have been abused is that they tend to have the the tendency of replicating that abuse on their children. Interesting. I.e., we're under a spell. We like Halloween and we induct our children into the very thing that we're under and teach them it's not that bad. Huh. Furthermore, 
I notice the mechanisms that are used to draw us in. One of the biggest ones is candy. It's not lost on me. Like God dropped this in, in my head. What is something that parents constantly tell their children when it comes to candy? And I don't mean stop eating it. <laughs> don't take candy from strangers. Exactly. Why? Because it poses a danger. What does? The being lured into a dangerous the, situation. A dangerous situation with candy. Exactly. Do you think it's lost on me that almost every one of our pagan holidays that we celebrate in this country involves candy of some sort? Especially the most holiest day, as far as the occultist is concerned, which is Halloween. Huh. More candy, I believe, is sold to Halloween than Valentine's Day. That's crazy. Yeah, confectionery sales are like three some three point one billion, something like that. Well, that's funny. Me and my wife were having a conversation. We were in the dollar store the other day, and there's shelves and shelves of candy. And she was like, "Oh, I miss doing this." I was like, "Handing out candy." She was like, "No." eating the candy i was like oh yeah my bad <laughs> right yeah it's a, it's a huge pool it is and when i think about it i'm like wh- i mean where did i encounter halloween as a kid in a school system strategically designed not only to detune me <laughs> but to introduce me to paganism to occultism to get me comfortable with it you had a great example earlier when you were talking about hey we got to do witches why? Because that's part of the agenda. Mm-hmm. We need to we need to uh, initiate students into the occult at young ages when they don't know any better. Then they can form fond memories with it and they are less likely to resist it as they get older. Because they're in a theta brainwave state. Exactly. Huh. This is my theory. No, that's that's sinister. Seems consistent with the character and nature of Satan. It does. So, I don't want to leave people (laughs) with just the problem and no hope. Right. Okay? Because if if I do that, if, if we actually just put this problem out here and we don't really address some of the other issues with it and give them an, a, a sense of, okay, we can do something about this, we can address it. Mm-hmm. Then literally, all they're going to hear is this. La, 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 la. I was really hoping those guys were going to say, trick or treat. <laughs> they always say the same thing. It's they weird. do. Every time. It's like they're just robots. <laughs> you know, so here's the question, right, that we've been wrestling with today. All right. Is Halloween as innocent as most of us remember? Or is it a day filled with, you know, just costumes, candy, fun, all of that? No. Might it actually be part of a mass ritual that's used to initiate us, producing a generational curse on us and our children? I'd undoubtedly have to say yes. No, I would agree. This is what it's being used for. So when we are arguing that it's okay, you need to understand what you're arguing for. Mm-hmm. You're arguing for the right to participate in a mass ritual that will initiate you into the occult by means of participation. Like here, here's something to realize. Rituals have consequence whether the participant realizes the significance of the ritual or not. Okay, yeah. From a spiritual perspective, the spiritual world recognizes the importance of a ritual 
in the Christian faith, we have rituals. Mm-hmm. Might be a little weird to hear it phrased that way, but by definition, we do. And just because a person is not fully aware of the implications of that ritual does not mean the effects of that ritual are lessened or nullified. Right. You may not be aware of the full extent that communion gets you, but you participate in it. You get a consequence. You get a result. Mm -hmm. If you participate illegally, even if you were unaware, scripture says you also get a consequence. Right. But I didn't know I wasn't really doing it the way you guys were doing it. I was just having some fun. The spiritual world does not recognize it that way. That is man's world. Uh huh. If take baptism, if you just go down, but you don't understand the full effects of baptism, is the result lessened or nullified? Not lessened, but nullified. I would say no. Absolutely, I would agree. Hmm. That's interesting. Here's the thing we got to ask. Instead of looking at this from the perspective of do we as human beings think that this is a significant issue or not, Mm -hmm. we do better to ask, how is this viewed from the perspective of spirits? Okay. Do they think it's a big deal? As a Christian, your God thinks any participation in occult rituals is a big deal. Right. A big deal. Not a small, trivial, trite, uh, you know. Hey, you didn't know what you were doing. No, no, this is this is big stuff. Now it's worsened when you actually do know what you're doing. Right. But still, it's a big deal even when you don't. Well, me and my my mom were having this conversation because we don't necessarily look at holidays the same way. Mm-hmm. And you know, the argument it doesn't have that religious uh, sentiment to me or whatever uh, is it, kind of her stance. But I was like. So she actually saw it coming, unlike the conversation that you had with her the other day. (laughs) That was fun. (laughs) But uh, I was asking her, I was like, so what would you think? I mean, I think that stars and circles are sweet and I love candles. She said, okay. I said, what would you think if I just started putting pentagrams up all over my apartment? Well, that went pretty far, pretty quick. I'm not a Satanist. Right. I'm not, it has no religious significance to me whatsoever. I just think it looks cool. They look sweet and black and red look fantastic together. Like I just want to put pentagrams and candles up around my apartment. I was like, would you have a problem with that? And she's like, yeah, but I see that this is going somewhere. (laughs) (laughs) Well, at least she saw. Right. No, but it, it was a really good conversation. So even though we particular symbols and rituals and practices might not have religious significance to us does not mean that they're not significant to something else. Right. You know, look, there's no way that a day that has its significance rooted in torture, mutilation, arson, murder, necromancy, witchcraft, sorcery, human sacrifice, and the deliberate invoking of demonic forces is innocent. Right. There's no way. No way at all. You can't put enough candy on that pile to make it benign and innocent. (laughs) Right? Right. Okay, fine. Let's go back to where scientific community. Then let's deal with what we know. We know that the calendar is the purpose of the calendar is to focus the person's attention on Christ. And any calendar from a secular institution, government, or uh, culture that does not honor Yahweh is going to direct the attention of their inhabitants, of their people on their gods. Okay. We know that. Right. 
And well, I was going to say earlier, but we kind of sped past it too soon. For any skeptic that might push back against your idea about the calendar or whatever, it reminds me of the year that we live in, right? It's 2022 mm-hmm. uh, AD, which is Anno Domini, which means the year of our Lord, right? Mm-hmm. Because that culture recognized that Christ was born somewhere around you know zero or three or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's so important that our calendar reflect the spiritual nature of our culture that we've changed AD to CE, to common era. So BC is not before Christ, it's BCE before common era. And AD is no longer Anno Domini, year of our Lord, it's common era because we can't have our calendar reflect a deity that we don't respect. Right, that's a good point. So it's a it's a real thing that you're talking about that people care about today. Right, right. Now, let's take something else we know. We know about the calendar. We also know that the days of significance on that calendar are not arbitrary. We know that that significance for Halloween was der- derived from Druidic practice. We know that the Druids were the high priests under the Nephilim kings that settled in the British Isles which directly influenced American culture. We know that they practice hyenas things. We know that they killed people. They tortured people. We know that they created portals to let evil spirits through. We know that all of this is the root of Halloween. Why then are we pushing to participate in it? It has spiritual significance. There is no, you can only lie to yourself and tell you that it doesn't. Right. And unfortunately, some people will hear this and just go, I, I mean, I don't care. Mm-hmm. I still want to do it. And, you know, for those people, God pray for you because what we're telling you is true. This has spiritual significance. You are giving Satan a foothold in your life, introducing spirits of fear into the lives of your children. You know, one of my friends was telling me, oh, love Halloween. Can't wait to go out with the wife. We're going we're gonna to have a little thing for the kids and put them to sleep. And then all of us in the neighborhood are going to sit out and watch scary movies. I was like, probably not a good use of your time, bro. <laughs> I think I kind of fell on deaf ears, but you know, we do this. We're going to engage in those type of activities and think it's fun and innocent. And it's really not. Then we'll be surprised. Wonder why we can't sleep. Wonder why we're sick. Wonder why, you know, we got problems in our relationships. Well, you open up doors to spirits. You get spirits that walk in. Right. You made a great analogy the other day that has gotten on my nerves. One of the other days, the other week, gotten on my nerves because I've been the victim of it several times over. I open up a door and a daggone fly (laughs) comes in. I'm like, what is it with you things? I mean, I can open up all the other doors for you to get out and just buzz right in my vicinity. And I don't smell bad. No. I, I take good, fresh, regular showers. <laughs> you know what I mean? They just stay around you. Right. They only understand one concept that's in. Yeah, inva- inva- <laughs> invasion. Invasion. Is, is what yep. they seem to understand. Demonic spirits function very similarly. For sure. You open up a door to your life, you can guarantee one, two, three, or four <laughs> will get in, and they replicate pretty fast. Mm-hmm. You don't want that. Not if you're a serious follower of Christ, right? Right. You know, listen, we're supposed to be light to this world and not darkness. Right. Halloween is a holy day oriented towards the God of death. That is not Yeshua. Why, again, are we participating 
in a holy day in honor of a foreign pagan god. Yeah. We're supposed to be separate from this world. Halloween teaches bad behavior. It teaches that I can act up. I can vandalize. I can do whatever I want. It's just the the unruly time. You know, we'll call those tricks. Mm-hmm. Halloween promotes a disease-causing substance, which is sugar. Okay. Yeah, this is the time where you have copious amounts of sugar being eaten. And it'll be eaten throughout the rest of the year. You know, have fun. Get as much of this in you in. It's just part of the season. That's not good. Here's the most important thing. Yeshua won't celebrate Halloween when he comes back. Right. So why should we? You know, we're commanded to keep God's holy days, not the holy days of pagan festivals. I can't stress that enough. Right. That, I think, should be our litmus test. Why? Because we're in a hostile environment. This is what hostilities look like. Like, could you imagine... The people who were getting their face boiled off with the bobbing for apples coming back to our culture and seeing us just tossing apples around and bobbing for it like fun and games. Like, what would that do when you know what that's really about? Yeah. Wouldn't that piss you off? Yeah. And then the person could tell you, I mean, their face is wet. What? Why? I was just having fun. What happened to your face? Dummy, I actually got burned. Right. Doing the real thing. You're playing around with this stuff. Like, this isn't innocent. The people who go to Wicker Man or go to Burning Man. Oh, this is fun. We're out in the desert. We just lit this thing on fire. No, you just signal to the spiritual world so your, your comfortability with something that you would have been inside of if they had a free reign. Huh. Now, all of the evil things that we, that we car- caricaturize and that we... We, we try to put a film of innocence on. It's really, really us trying to propagandize wickedness and make it seem innocent. And scripture talks about that. Scripture talks about the time and the end when we will get so depraved in our thinking that stuff that is considered commonsensically wrong will be considered right and okay. Mm -hmm. And things that are right and okay will be considered bad and taboo. How dare you not let your children participate in this wicked environment? Do you know, (laughs) do you know we'd be eating your kids earlier? You lucky we let them just dress up as witches. Okay. Yeah. Especially your kid. Your kid is extra round, Spears. (laughs) You know what I mean? Uh Uh-huh. I think we have to take a much more, a, a much more, sober approach to these conversations instead of asking should i or should i not participate in this start asking why do i want to that's a good point why do i really want to engage in this what are my motivations am i being driven towards this without my awareness am i driving myself is this is this something god's pointing me toward saying this is okay now, I know there are people after, I, I can already hear skeptics, skip, skip, skip. Uh, doesn't your Bible say, let no man condemn you for the days you decide to keep holy? Yes, it does. Well, then how can you condemn people and tell them on this particular day that they should not be able, not be able to what? Keep it holy? Well, I mean, that's not exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> but they should be able to at least participate in it, shouldn't they? Mr. Skip, I do appreciate your interest here. 
Your presence is always welcome. You make it a bit more lively for the listeners. <laughs> I, one thing that I say about Christianity more than anything is that it is a belief system based on knowledge. Mm-hmm. Not just your emotions, not on just quote unquote blind faith, right? We're, yeah. Things we should know. God treats us like we're smart because he gave us intellect and intelligent and he expects us to use it and exercise it, right? Right. So he already knows if I've told you, if this whole thing is about being faithful to me, if the whole reason I came and died for you so that you didn't have to suffer the things that these spirits want to do to you and by legal right are allowed to do to you, I paid the price was not so that you could go back over there and have a free-for-all with them. Right. Wasn't it? So yeah. when I say, you know, don't let them, don't let another man make you feel bad for the holy days that you keep. It wasn't holy days in honor of pagan gods. What was the first commandment given? Thou shalt not have any other God besides me. Right. Right? Mm-hmm. So how could we make the argument when he says, don't have any other pagan God besides me? And, oh, with the Sabbath, remember to keep that holy. Well, he didn't mean that I couldn't participate in other Sabbaths to other gods. Because, I, I mean, that wouldn't put them before him. I'll still go to church first. <laughs> I'll just do the other thing after. I'll just do that. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I'm meeting all my demands and all my expectations, <laughs> and we're solid. It's not what he meant. Like, it's common sense. Yeah. Holy days about him. You know, if you want to keep a new moon festival in regards to him, if you want to keep one of the holy uh, holy festivals from the old covenant or that was honoring him, all right, fine. Right. Not ones that are honoring Satan. Like on what planet? How have we gotten so dumb? That that's the argument we make. Didn't Anton LaVey even say something like uh uh Thanking, thanking American parents for allowing their kids to be Satanist. At yeah, least, I think it was thank least, you Christians. Thank you Christians. Yeah. At least one day a year. Yeah. Talking about Halloween. Right. And But but we're going to make the argument that it's innocent. That is such an, an asinine perspective mm-hmm. to really take. And I'm not trying to come at the person who's, who's felt that way or is thinking that way. I'm really coming at the idea because the idea is incredibly dangerous. It is. And it has a lot of ramifications across the spectrum of a person's life. If we're constantly trying to harmonize the pagan world's system to the religious system of Christ, Mm -hmm. they are incompatible. Right. And we will be crushed by the pressure of both of them. If we try to stand in between, we have to pick a side. Have to. I mean, what pagan, what pagan person could we go to them and say, hey, would you like to just fun, have some fun practice with Christian rituals? Hey, let us dunk you a couple times, man. You'll, you'll, you'll be good. We'll just get you from your head to your toe. Dunk right. you under. You'd be like an Oreo. Come right out the milk. You'll be fine. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't, you don't have to believe in it like that much, right? So it's not going to really have any significance. And by the way, here, just drink this, this, this Jesus juice real quick. <laughs> they right? wouldn't do it. No, they have more fidelity. Right. But here we are trying to exercise our quote unquote freedom in Christ and do what the world does. I think that's a problem. I would agree. And I think the real problem is it makes it, it causes us to lose the reality that we ain't in some place called Kansas where none of this stuff happens. Even in Kansas, they had witches. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, they had tornadoes. Well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and the tornado picked them up. And next thing they found out was, you are not in Kansas anymore. 
You are on Pandora, ladies and gentlemen. Respect that fact every second of every day. Out there beyond that fence, every living thing that crawls, flies, or squats in the mud wants to kill you and eat your eyes for jujubes. If you wish to survive, you need to cultivate a strong mental attitude. You've got to obey the rules. Pandora rules. Bro, we play that clip every episode. Uh-huh. And just due to the nature of its repetition, it's it's possible that it can the, the importance of it can get lost. Okay. But as I was listening to that today, I don't think that there's a, a another episode where this is like more important. Like okay. he says, everything out there wants to kill you. Mm. That's not an innocent playground, right? Right. Where would you let your kids out into that environment where everything out there wanted to kill them? No. What about a snake that looks really pretty, looks innocent, looks fun? A boom slang. Yeah. Well, what about that? Would no. you would you let him play with it? No. What about a gaboon viper? I mean, it's a very pretty looking snake. It'll kill you. Instantly. Like mm-hmm. that. You know, if you want to survive, you have to develop a strong mental aptitude. Strong mental aptitude is not looking for places that you can agree with the enemy. Right. You're not looking, you're not going into another country and dealing with their military and trying to find ways to appease that, that, that aggressor. Right. Right. You can't do that. So if you're going to develop that strong mental aptitude, you've got to start obeying spiritual rules. You got to obey the rules of engagement. Yeah. Number one, you got to educate yourself. Have to. You have to look into the stuff. Go research Halloween. Do your own research. Don't listen to nothing I said. Just take it as interesting. Go figure out if this crap is true. Maybe I made it all up because I ain't got nothing else better to do (laughs) but to sit here for two hours, two hours and 25 minutes and just riddle you with wonderful flights of fancy in regards to pagan rituals and festivities because I've had a lot of Jackie D. (laughs) Well, doesn't the Bible even consider ignorance being a sin? What do you mean? That like not knowing the things that you're supposed to know is not justification for, for not doing it. You know what I mean? Yeah. There are times where we find out that how serious God takes that. Like Jerusalem got destroyed for the fact that they didn't know. Right. And I put that in quotations because Christ told them exactly. He told them via Gabriel in the book of Daniel exactly when he would show up to the day and he didn't miss the mark. Right. And so they didn't really have any excuse. You know, same thing happened with uh, Abraham and Pharaoh. Pharaoh didn't know that Sarah was Abraham's wife. That still didn't mean that there wasn't a consequence for him taking Sarah to bed. Right. Luckily, he didn't touch her. Right. Else the Bible (laughs) said he'd have been dead. Yeah. Because he even went back to Abraham and he was like, why didn't you tell me? He was pissed. Yeah. Like, you deceived me, bro. (laughs) Yeah, so not knowing that was a a direct Hebrew translation of what Abraham (laughs) said. I wanted you to catch that. I believe it. Did you? You got it. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, we have to take it more seriously because just not knowing is not a good excuse. Absolutely. You know, Deuteronomy twelve four reminds us that what Scripture tells us, which is, do not worship the Lord your God in the way these pagan people worship their gods. Okay, part of how we worship is how we live, the day-to-day things we do. Mm -hmm. It is not just don't go to church, 
and don't pray and don't bow the way that the pagans go to church, pray and bow. Right. Don't live your life the way that pagans do. So when pagans have certain days and festivals and things that they honor, shouldn't be that shouldn't be part of what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Right. That's not how you honor your God. Scripture also tells us do everything as unto the Lord. I'm just trying to have this child sacrifice unto the Lord. Right. I'm trying to just dress up like a witch unto the Lord. I am trying to participate in this sex magic ritual unto, unto the, the Lord. Lord. It's all I am trying to do. Okay. I might just, you know what? what? For, forget everything that we've talked about. I'm doing that. What? I'm going to do whatever <laughs> I want, but I'm just going to attach unto the Lord. It should get you pretty far. Yeah. In certain uh, religious circles. As a matter of fact, after this podcast, I'm going to head to the bar uh-huh. and I'm just going to knock them back unto the Lord. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. Certain circles, you even get a yes. <laughs> yes. Do that. Let the Lord use you. Oh, man. Knock them straight back, son. <laughs> yeah. Don't, don't even take no breath. Yes. Amen. We cannot act like that. You can't. Right? No, it's that's crazy. Why? Because scripture warns us, Deuteronomy 18.10, let no one be found among you who does what? Sacrifices their son or daughter in the fire. Why ain't doing that? Practices divination or sorcery. Ugh, no tarot card readings. Can't get on TikTok and look at the crystals. Can't talk to the lady that was reading my palm lines. That seems to be a little of a sticky little issue. Mm-hmm. Interprets omens. I got Weather Channel for that. Engages in witchcraft. <laughs> uh oh. Or cast spells. Or who is a medium. Or who is a spiritist, i.e., a necromancer. Or someone who consults, consults the dead. Yeah. Okay, well, he didn't say that I can't go to a Halloween party. Okay, that wasn't in there. And that's that asymptotic behavior. Yeah. Because I don't want to be at a party that's that where I'm dressing up as those people. I don't want to really be at a place where they're honoring that type of lifestyle, trying to stay far enough away. I don't want to get confused when the lightning bolts start coming down. Well, the Bible says to stay away from even the appearance of evil. Right. So why are we dressing up and acting like it? It's innocent, man. It's not that big a deal. Stop overstressing this. Okay. You're starting to sound like one of them uber religious double cross Christians. Hmm. Yeah. You don't want to start sounding like that. You probably one of them Bible toting believers. I mean, I got one. See, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> now here, here guys, look, scripture anticipates this thing that we're talking about. Revelation 18, 23 tells the sorcery will be practiced in the end times. All right. In order for that to happen, people have got to get comfortable with it. Right. The process of getting desensitized. This is how you brainwash people. You desensitize them first. You jam them. That sounds horrible. And then you convert them. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Now I can take jamming a different way. Desensitize them where it's not that big a deal. Jam it down their throats where it's all they get. Mm-hmm. And eventually convert them into the very thing you want them to be. Yep. This is that process. The process is it's not that big a deal. Yeah. That's how it starts. Mm-hmm. And then you get more and more comfortable. And then it starts showing up everywhere. Next thing you know, you're participating. That participation is the steps into conversion. Okay. I never wanted to be a witch. I do remember dressing up as one as a kid. Didn't seem that bad. It seemed kind of fun. I remember seeing the green face lady on, on Wizard of Oz and she got to ride a broomstick. Did you know? Real talk. Did you know the whole thing about riding a broomstick has got sexual connotations to it? No. I know there's jokes. 
No, but really, so part of the practice of what they would do, so I'm told, uh, was that 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 uh, the wood that we were talking about, the Hollywood, uh-huh. is able to also house spirits in it. Okay. And apparently, not only can it house spirits in it, it also serves as a phallic symbol. Okay. So somehow being between the legs of, of female witches mm-hmm. would provide stimulation. And it's not so far to think that levitation didn't happen. Okay. But with there actually being a spirit being, they would actually climax. Oh, so the whole, so riding a broom was more of an idiom mm-hmm. of what they were doing. Yeah. Wow. I know, right? And when it's, it's like, portrayed, I'm never going to sweep my floor again. <laughs> <laughs> That's what they make automatic dusters for. <laughs> but when it's portrayed on film, Again, it's using taciturn language, it's silent language, it's language that you don't readily understand how to interpret. So you don't really understand the allegorical nature of what you are seeing. That's interesting. So you just take it as fantasy. Right. Without understanding that subconsciously these ideas are being impacted into your mind. That's nuts. You, you see what I'm saying? Uh-huh. This is, this is not stuff that we can overlook. This is why scripture anticipates this. You know, spiritual Babylon representing the false religious system of the last days is going to actually deceive all nations with sorcery before judgment falls. That's what scripture says. All Uh, nations, even the developed ones, even the United States. Yeah, we're going to get deceived because we are in the process of being deceived. This leads us to a problem because this violates rule number two. Okay. And that's don't cede any ground to your enemy. Yeah, it seems like we've lost a lot of ground here. Absolutely. Now, what are we supposed to do? Three-step process. You expose what the enemy is doing. All right? You oppose and resist that, and then you you destroy what you can. Mm-hmm. You don't participate. That's never part of the three-step process. <laughs> right. You know, Ephesians 5.11, don't have any fellowship with the works of darkness, no matter how innocent they may appear. I'm adding that. That's the Jason Spears translation. Copyright 2022. <laughs> What you do is you expose them. All right. James 5, 7 tells us you, you, you use the authority of scripture to resist the devil. All right. Mm-hmm. Then 2 Corinthians 10, 5 tells us demolish every argument and pretension that sets itself up against what God has said is true. Mm-hmm. What he said is right is what is true. And sorcery, necromancy, murder, torture, all of this stuff, this is wrong. This is not stuff that should be mentioned among us. Right. right? Mm -hmm. That's what you do. And then that takes you to rule three. Rule three. I like rule three. Well, it's rule three. It is. We have to pray like it's all up to God and work like it's all up to us. I like that one too. That's good. Got to do both. Can't do one or the other. Right. Because then you're off balance. Absolutely. I think some of the things that we can pray for is that, that God gives us eyes to see what's really going on. That's important because it, scripture talks about how the how Satan has blinded the eyes of, of the people of the world. Mm-hmm. The people who are not woke, and I hate to use that phrase, the people who are not part of the kingdom of Christ and seriously following after Jesus Christ are subjective to spiritual blindness. They just don't see it. Right. And, and I don't know, you, you mentioned... Uh, Ephesians 511, mm-hmm. you know, to, to not have any fellowship with the works of darkness, but expose them. And just down the way a little bit, I think it might be 516. It says, for this reason, wake up. 
Mm. So this whole idea of being awake, not that we need to be woke, but we need to not be sleeping through this stuff. Exactly. We've got to wake up and really see what's going on. Open our eyes. And I, we need God's help with that. Facts. And then I think we should pray that he gives us a heart to want to please him. Not a heart that says that mathematic mathematic term I can't remember from, from earlier in the episode. That'd be asymptotic. <laughs> that one. <laughs> <clears throat> but no, but that he gives us a heart to please him because that's what we really want to do. Mm-hmm. Not go out and do as much as we can before violating the terms of our agreement, but really try to do what we can to please the Lord. We, we need a heart that's oriented that way. I would agree. And sometimes it might sound a little religious, please the Lord. I think it helps to understand God is about making sure that we don't get hurt. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't get harmed. Let me say that. He's about making sure that we're not harmed. And the spirits that are out here after us really don't like you. They hate humanity. Mm-hmm. With, with a passion, with an atavistic hatred. If I could tear your insides out and feed them to you and pull them back out again as you ate them, I would. Just to see you in pain. Like, that's a bit twisted. Right. What did I do to you? You were born. <laughs> Not only were you born, but you were designed to reach a place of intimacy with the creator that I can't even reach as an angel. You're given the opportunity to be part of the family in a way that supersedes even the rank that angels have. Now it's getting to a little, a little bit deep Christian theology <laughs> near the end. We won't go down into that. All right. But there's an idea that one of the reasons Satan hates man so much is because one, he was asked to serve him. And two, he realized that he was a rival in the sense that humanity was given a higher place of honor than the angels were mm-hmm. at no point did Christ come back and die for angels. Right. He didn't die for demons. He didn't die for chimera. He didn't die for any of the Nephilim offspring or, or uh, mutations, mutated life forms that they produce. He only died for us. That is the, the point of the value we hold to him. Right. He didn't die so that we could try to get back close in bed with these spirits that want to kill us. No, it is like picking up a Gaboon Viper. It's Why do I keep going back to the Boone Viper? I don't know. I saw one on TV and I was like, they are so pretty. Are they really? They really are. Like they're once you learn what they look like, you can almost pick them out out of the Viper family. I think they're one the biggest and the Viper family. Huh. You know what's interesting to me? Slight tangent. I know we're we're over on time here. But we recently went to the zoo and we were looking at some of the vipers. Okay. And the snakes that are real poisonous. Mm-hmm. It's interesting to me that they look harmless. Their faces look mean. Yeah, but they don't look that harmless. They don't, but they do look. I mean, harmful. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Just watching them slither. But I thought it was really interesting that their faces look. They, they, they like have they're a very sinister look. Right. Which is interesting because they're not humans. Mm-hmm. Animals don't have the same expression, emotional expression that humans do. Mm-hmm. We tend to anthropomorphize that. But here. I wonder if it's God's grace that made them look mean in the face. So even if we don't know what it is, we go, you know what? It looks like he's having a bad day. Maybe I won't pick him up today. Yeah. It was just really interesting to me because it's a very definitive, unpleasant look on their face. I've always been surprised at how beautiful some of the most deadliest snakes look. Okay. 
like you can you can look at a, a at a uh, boomsling. I said it earlier. I'll yeah, say it again. But I don't know what a boomsling is. It's I think it's the most beautiful snake I've ever seen in my life. Okay, they come in like light purple and green. Interesting. And for years, people didn't think that they were even scientists didn't think that they were venomous. And they are because their fangs are in the back. They're like their molars instead of their canines. Oh, interesting. And they're not even that aggressive. Okay. But it was one scientist, he ended up, uh, he got bit by a boom slang and they found him dead the next day because it liquefies your organs. Like it, 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 whatever the venom does, oh, wow. it, it causes the, um, whatever the, the fibers of your tissue to, mm-hmm. to just come apart. Wow. So you start melting from the inside, which is different than like, um, rattlesnake venom that causes your blood to gel up. Yeah. This kind of has the opposite effect that everything just starts falling apart. Isn't that crazy? It's nuts. Like I've seen some snakes where even the pattern on on their on their bodies are just amazing looking. Mm-hmm. And you're like, wow. And you might get mesmerized by that and not realize that's one of the most poisonous snakes in the entire planet. <laughs> yeah. Maybe you shouldn't touch it. Right. It just looks so fun. Fuck them. <laughs> it was fun. Right. Now you got to explain to Jesus what you're doing up here early. So you're just playing with some snakes that you didn't, you didn't know no better, did you? The That's pattern on there didn't suggest maybe you should leave it alone. The grumpy look on its face didn't say maybe leave it leave him alone. And here's Jesus. I'm not a proponent of evolutionary thinking, but this is one place <laughs> in which I believe survival of the fittest did not work. That's funny. But that takes us to the, the second part of rule three, which is work. You got to leave the snakes alone. That has a lot of life lessons to it, doesn't it? <laughs> it really does. That's funny. But no, we've got to be willing to let go of the things that don't please God. And like you said, please God sounds hyper-religious. But if you're in a relationship mm-hmm. with a person, mm-hmm. part of that relationship is your desire to please them. Like I I want my wife to be happy. I want her to have nice things. I want what I bring to the relationship to bring pleasure to her, just as part of the nature. Mm-hmm. We should have that with God. Right. I mean, he does that with us. Yeah. So we should be willing to, to let go of things that, that really don't please him. I mean, we're supposed to be set apart. We're supposed to look different than the rest of the world. I agree. And if you're not at the place where, where that is a motivator, then maybe try staying away from things that can readily kill you. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So just just maybe start there. If, if you can't get to, I want to do stuff that makes God happy. Yeah. All right. Well, I at least <laughs> don't want to do things that are going to kill me, even if they don't kill me immediately. Right. I don't want to set myself up for the okie doke mm-hmm. and find myself knocked out, spread out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I think at the very least work that we need to do is to look at these holidays a little more seriously to have a government dedicated to all pagan gods. And that government recognizes holy days that are not aligned with Christianity. We need to pay a little bit of attention, right? When they're not aligned with Christ, we need to start discarding that and getting rid of it. Right. I mean, literally all pagan gods. Hi, do you have a God that's not Jesus? I do. You're welcome. Right. Everybody you? but him. Yeah. Everybody. That is literally what he said. Uh-huh. Everybody. Any pagan god whatsoever. Hi, I serve the butt snake. The what? <laughs> the butt snake. Yes. It comes out of the anus. It's only at night. <laughs> it's a very weird relationship I have with the guy. All right. Come on in. Hey, you're welcome, baby. <laughs> Just stay in the back. Stay away from me. <laughs> Matter of fact, stay in the front so I can see you. I don't want you sneaking up on me with the butt snake. <laughs> you know, it doesn't matter which one. Whatever your guy did, whatever he was into. 
Right. We, we're, we're cool as long as it's it is not, not Jesus. Jesus Christ. Yep. That's a problem. Right. Definitely need to look closer. We've got to know what we're dealing with here for sure. And another thing that you can do to work is to share the show. And so many of our listeners have been sharing the show. It's amazing. I have been loving it and appreciating it. It's been dope. It has. It has. But if, if there's some people out there that aren't satisfied with just sharing the show, you might consider joining our Patreon. We've got a bunch of good stuff for you. You can find us at our home site at orppodcast.com, but you can find us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash orppodcast. So you can get in on the ground level. You can be a cover fire operative for five bucks a month. And this will get you all the links and resources we use to make the episode, as well as access to all of our full length episodes and some bonus episodes that we put in there. If you want a little bit more, you can join in our Overwatch tier. You can be an Overwatch operator for $7 a month. Gets you everything in tier one, as well as access to the actual studio notes we used to record the episode. And usually there's a bunch of good nuggets in there that didn't make it on the show. Right. But if you want it all, you can become a bring the rain operator tier three, 10 bucks a month gets you everything from tiers one and two, as well as an opportunity to participate in our monthly zoom call that we do with our patrons. It's a blast. Love the zoom calls, man. All the stuff that comes up in those, the different subjects, you know, that we talk about the different twists and turns that those calls take. I look forward to it every month. Right, right. We love that interaction, you know, that back and forth. It's, it's so cool. Mm-hmm. It is funny. There was one time that everyone came on, was it like 15 minutes late? Mm-hmm. And for 15 minutes, we were like, did they forget about us? I, Does nobody love I don't think ORP they love anymore? anymore. <laughs> I feel like the girl from Jurassic Park. They left us. They left right. us. Yes, that, that's exactly it. So don't leave us hanging. <laughs> Become a tier three operator and join the Zoom call. It's, it's a good time. We'll give you some candy. No, maybe too soon. No, no. Yeah, too soon. We're not doing that. (laughs) But here's the last thing that you can do. Remind yourself of what scripture tells us, which is we are never alone and we're not fighting alone. God has promised to never leave us. And we have a community of believers all over the world and a loving God who actually intervenes on our behalf. Because one day we won't be influenced by all these occult practices. One day we will know the true depth of the forces of darkness. And one day the holy days we celebrate will be purely crafted by the creator of the universe himself. But until then, we are deployed to this dystopian rock by our savior in chief, the very one that's commissioned us on a seesaw. That's right. We're on a combat search and rescue mission here, people. And be advised, the hostages we're after are likely to be hostile towards us. But we still gotta go get them. Now our task and order is simple. We're to search for and rescue anyone that can be sympathetic to Christ, but is currently held hostage under Satan's deception. And make no mistake, we will be operating in a hostile environment. But the rules of engagement are clear. Listen to me, you take fire, we expect you to give fire. Now I need you to keep your head on a swivel out there. You stay frosty, stay faithful, and above all, stay in the fight. That means do not give up, because we're counting on you. You ain't alone out there. We're fighting right next to you, and we'll see you out there again, fighting on the front lines. 10-4.
trick or treat. <laughs> Ha 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 